0: and welcome back to the Somethings Bruin podcast, episode 77. 77. The Ray Bork episode. Hey, as much love and respect that Ray Bork gets within the hockey community, I honest to God don't think that he gets enough respect within the Bruins community that he should. Listen to this. First overall in franchise history in games played. First overall in assists. First overall in points. First overall in goals created. First overall in power play goals. Um, Let's see, one more. I know he's got one more. Um, First overall in total goals on ice four. Uh, First overall power play goals on ice four. Um, First overall
1: in leg size. That guy had some massive legs on him
0: uh first overall in wearing the number 77.
1: First overall in owning Italian restaurants? He um yeah no he was also wasn't he like a 19 time all-star too I'm pretty sure that's a record time
0: all-star yeah I mean the that's the, the guy, crazy the guy had to go out to Colorado to get his cup but I mean what other player in 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 you know any major league sport wins a trophy in another city comes back to his city and gets his own parade. I yeah, don't know of
1: anyone else. That's a good point. I, I, even, I feel like myself, like when I think of, uh, like Bruins greats, obviously Bork is there, but like for whatever reason, he's not, not one of the first names I mention, and he right. definitely should be, you know, it's maybe cause he just didn't win a cup here. And at least I, Cam yeah. Neely wasn't dumb and dumber. He has that going for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's what it is. If he had won a cup in Boston, um, I feel like his name, I mean, his name does get passed around. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want this to come off as if like we're saying he doesn't get the respect because he does. But I think there's another level of respect that he could have or he should be getting.
1: You know? Yeah, I think I think when we did our um in the off season when we did our Bruins like who's the greatest Bruin ever? I think both of us had him in the uh, final four, which he definitely should be. I mean, second greatest Bruins defense Bruins defenseman ever. If if you were to make a starting line, he's top five defenseman ever. He might even be higher than that. I mean, if you were to make um, your all time like starting lineup, I mean, I think you would be hard pressed to find somebody who wouldn't have Bork and Orr in their top pairing. And it's ridiculous to think that those two guys played for the same franchise.
0: Yeah, um, I'm, I don't know why my internet is being so slow right now. Let me turn off my Wi Fi, but. Um it's not coming up, whatever. But hey, anyways, episode seventy-seven of the Something's Brewing Podcast, as always, brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can follow us on Twitter at Something No G at the end. And you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Mel on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Um we got lots lot to cover today. Uh the all-star break just now hitting the Bruins have 10 days off, Um, nine days off now at the time of this recording, by the time you're listening to it, eight games or uh sorry, eight days. Um, But as of right now, 31, nine and first in the Atlantic tied for first in the entire league with Vancouver, both at 71 points. And we're, we're now seeing, you know, some, some consistencies with this team. You know what you get with Jeremy Swayman and all Mark um, Jake DeBrusque, Obviously, he's been hot since, uh, you know, since the Christmas break. Trent Frederick is turning into the top six power forward um, right before our very eyes That the Bruins have been missing forever. New age power forward, I'll say. Um, Pavel Zaka playing well. Brad Marchand still performing at basically a point per game pace. David Pasternak lighting up the league, third in the league in points. I believe he's third in the league in goals as well. Um and, and I think it was The Athletic that posted it today, their top 25 <laughs> players in the league. You oh, saw oh I,
1: thought we, I, no, I thought we were going to talk about something else from The Athletic.
0: No, no, that's that's a whole other – listen. Uh, we can do that after. Yeah. I, just to, <laughs> we'll, we'll do like a little preface to it. I n- – not once in my life since I posted the Garland tweet did I think that I could be outdone not only by an individual, <laughs> not only by an individual, but a – a, a a media outlet that requires you to pay a monthly charge to read their content that I put out for free on Twitter that gets roasted out in the open.
1: Yeah. For uh, free. I think this is a, uh, a prime example. And by the way, there's some fantastic people who work with the athletic. They have really good baseball coverage. And I don't remember who I was. I think it might've been Tommy, Tommy Bennett. I was tweeting at it about, it seems like it's so hard these days, these days to find a a platform, a network, whatever you want to call it that has like good, reliable hockey coverage. Like they all suck. Like, Yahoo! If you're going to Yahoo for sure. hockey coverage, first of all, that's a different story, that's, but yeah. <laughs> they're not great. Um, of course, like the sports sub, like Ty Anderson's fantastic, but he just yeah. doesn't get his opportunity because Mike filger's afraid to debate him. Um, ESPN, they don't really have hockey guys, I and mean, we all have our opinions about ESPN's hockey coverage. And uh, the athletic are justifying why it's one dollar a month to read their hockey articles because that was one of the worst mock trades I've ever seen in my entire life, and uh. I was trying to make fun of you in my tweet, but I think I kind of vindicated you when I, I screen—I so. <laughs> screenshot your, your Connor Garland mock trade and I put it next to the mock trade. By the way, for people who don't know, the mock trade we're referencing from The Athletic in case you missed it. If I'm not mistaken, it was Elias Lindholm for um, it, Trent Frederick. Yep.
0: Was it Zaka? No. And, was it Zaka? I don't I know. know now st- I got to go find it. I know Lysell was in there. I know it was Lysel. um Patra. It was Lysell, Patra, and a first for Elias Lindholm.
1: Yep, it was, it was a 2025, 2025 first-round pick, Patra, and Trent Frederick for Elias Lindholm. Probably, like, I've seen a lot of bad trades in my life. I follow you on Twitter. And this one, one, I put it, so I (laughs) I tweeted your Connor Garland trade, and then the graphic of this trade, and I was like, pick your fighter. And every single person didn't even, I don't even think that they looked at your tweet. They just went right to the the, uh, Elias Lindholm trade and was like, what the hell is going on? So I think that you were uh, vindicated for that, but... It's like, cause you just brought up Trent Frederick, dude, the season that he's been having last week when we did our three stars of the last two weeks, mine was Trent Frederick. And he's like, he just keeps on humming along. He's doing everything for this franchise. And that's a mock trade of somebody who hasn't watched Trent Frederick play this year because he took a massive step last year. And this year it's like totally different player. Everything's coming together. Um, how do we get, Oh yeah. But anyways, talking about the, uh, NHL standings, it was crazy. Cause, uh, I mean, nobody expected the Bruins to be this good at this point of the season. I think when they, even when they got off to the hot start, they're like, what, like 15, 3 and 1 or something? And I think a lot of us were like, yeah, like we're just on a, in it for the ride. Like this is great. You know, everybody was shitting on the Bruins, but we'll see how long this will last. Here we are. I mean, we're at game, what, game 49, about to hit the 50 game mark. All star break is here. Uh, I mean, same amount of points as Vancouver, but second in the league. I think the lowest they dropped in standings overall league wide was like fourth. And like you just said, mentioning Pasa, the guy has 33 goals and 72 points in 49 games playing with uh, a clear downgrade of his linemates from last year. Although maybe not. I don't know if you saw the Ty Anderson tweet about, uh, I think it was Ty Anderson, comparing Pavel Zaka and uh, Charlie Coyle are actually expected to uh, have more points this year than Bergeron and, Pasa had, uh, Bergeron and Creature had last year. But did I steal your thunder?
0: No, 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 you didn't steal my thunder. I just wanted to say that was uh, Kevin Paul DuPont from Boston Globe. Oh, that's cool. it Because I was actually, it was a perfect segue. I was going to bring that up anyways uh, afterwards. Um, Boston's number one, number two centers, Bergeron and Krejci combined for 114 points last season. Here at the All-Star break, Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka, Pavel Zaka are on pace for 129 points. So That's crazy. And people are talking about getting Elias Lindholm. The team that the team that
1: had the team that had sixty-five wins last year that had Bergeron and Krejci as a center, one of the glaring holes this year, obviously with them being gone, was that this team lacked a first line center, and their second line center was a guy who was a third line center his whole career. And here we are now almost at game fifty in the tweet you just referenced. They're on pace to score more points this year than your two centers who you've had for the last fifteen years did last year in an NHL record breaking season. And uh I don't know. It's cool. It's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, no. I, <laughs> honestly, all credit, obviously major credit goes to the players, but Don Sweeney and Cam Neely and the rest of the Bruins front office deserve a standing round of applause from an arena. Like, yeah. Like, they get a lot of slack as any front office does. You know, you have to deal with thousands and hundreds and thousands, possibly millions of differentiating opinions on how you specifically, you as an individual are doing your job. And that's, that's no easy task. I mean, that's a lot of weight on your shoulders, a lot of anxiety on your shoulders. You're signing players to million dollar contracts. You're, you're telling certain free agents, no, we don't want you. We think this player is a better fit. Um, And for them to pull the trigger on certain guys, like, Danton Heinen, like JVR, like Kevin Shattenkirk was ballsy and it's proving to pay off in dividends because JVR is, if, if he was to sign a deal today, he could probably sign a deal around like four and a half, five million $5 million, right? Don Sweeney got him at a million bucks. <laughs> Danton Heinen, probably around this, not the same. He could probably be around like a million and a half to $2 million player. Don Sweeney got him at $775,000. In comparison, Matthew Potra on his rookie deal is making $950K. Danton Heinen is making less money than a 19-year-old rookie. Um, hats off to Don Sweeney and Cam Neely and, and that whole group. Yeah, I know,
1: especially um, – I mean, I, I think being a GM in any sport is hard, but being a GM of an NHL franchise is – it's it's a stress and a pressure I wouldn't wish on anybody. You know, at least in the MLB, I mean there's there's penalties for going over the luxury tax, but you seemingly have unlimited amount of money. I mean, look at what the the LA Dodgers did this year. They're signing every they they could sign me tomorrow. Like that's how many players that they're just handing out contracts to. The NBA, they have astronomical contracts. the salary cap is absurd. same with the NFL, the NHL, I mean, their salary cap is tiny. I mean, the 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 player with the biggest deal in the NHL, AAV, is probably Austin Matthews is making what, like 13 or maybe 14 mil. I mean, geez, that's a that's a bench. Peyton Pritchard, I think, is making almost that much. And he's a bench piece <laughs> for the Celtics. Um, But, you know, he's he's had his fingerprints over everything that this franchise has done over the last decade. And they're, if I'm not mistaken, the winningest franchise over the last decade, at least regular season wise. I mean, yep. he's been the GM of a team that's gone to. Was he the GM in 2013 No. All right. Well, I mean, he's been a GM of a team that went to a Stanley Cup. He signed Jim Montgomery, who won a Jack Adams award. He's won a couple, uh, at least one executive of the year award himself. He's made the right move every single year. And I'm right in the same boat as you. When they brought on Don Sweeney, when they fired um, Peter Shirelli, I was not sold on, given I was also like 15. So, like, you know, my (laughs) opinion (laughs) didn't really have that much weight to it. But I wasn't sold on it. I didn't like the move um and I was extremely critical of course of his first draft here who can forget and I held that over him for so long and cuz I mean that I mean that could have set this franchise up forever but despite completely whiffing in that first round the Bruins are racking up division win- division crowns they won a president's trophy they went to the Stanley Cup finals this is the team that he's built and every year he's made the right moves he's so tuned into what this team needs, whether it be a free agent signing, even calling a guy up, calling the right guy up at the right time, making a trade. I mean, last year, the 65-win team that didn't really need anybody at the trade deadline, he went, screw it. And when and got Dmitry Orlov and Tyler Bertuzzi, I mean, it didn't work out in the end, but there was no debating that that was not the best team in the league. The roster from top to bottom was beautiful. It was absurd. I remember watching... uh, Oh shit! With the like TSN or something, watching their trade deadline coverage last year when the Bruins got Orlov and Bertuzzi, and they were literally talking about if the if if you're a betting man, would you bet on the Bruins winning the Stanley Cup or anybody else? Like that was the that was the conversation, and that was all because of this team that Sweeney built. And here we go this year; they lost seven key guys from last year. Their captain, they lost like two lines full of guys. Everybody's coming in and coming out. And expectations were lower. It's a new uh, nucleus of this team, a new direction of this team. And shit, here we are, 50 games in, tied for the best record in the league. Again, with guys you just said who he picked up off the street and signed for pretty much no money at all. I mean, he's turning these, he's giving these guys huge contracts. We're talking about Connor Clifton. I mean, you know, Jim Montgomery, of course, is the coach of the team who really helped play him into that contract, but you got to give Sweeney some credit too. So I don't know. I'm all aboard the Sweeney train now. Um, I really, I, I struggle to think of the wrong, like the last time he made a siding that was bad or like the last time, maybe like Nick Ritchie. I mean, he sucked. But like, <laughs> I mean, that's a minor move. Like I really can't think of anything lately that's happened to this franchise that is like really just kind of undermined what they were trying to do here.
0: If I had to... it. it... In terms of goal differential in the league, where do you think the Bruins rank?
1: I think that they rank second and that they're probably like a plus
0: 45. Okay, so you know it. yeah. (laughs) I was looking before we started recording. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're second in the league in goal differential. Obviously, Vancouver is leading the league plus 61. Bruins plus 45. Jets plus 40, Avalanche plus 36, Oilers plus 34. Oilers, by the way, are on a 16-game winning streak. If they win their next game, they tie, I believe, the it's either the Pittsburgh Penguins or... Actually, I believe it is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They tie the Pittsburgh Penguins um, for longest winning streak in league history. So that's something to watch out for. But- Which is really crazy
1: because before they went on that winning streak, they were 13-15-1. They won 16 in a row. Now they're 29 and 15 and they have the 10th best record in the league. It's insane. and that's and, and that's I mean, that can show you, too, how much a coach really means to a franchise because they had I don't yeah. remember his name. It was just the guy who who dyed his hair and thought nobody could notice. They had, yeah. the, good, they <laughs> had the good dude. That was like the it's like the yeah. Carlos Boozer meme. like that was the worst hair piece
0: I've ever seen. Dude, and nobody ever brought it up. I Why didn't, didn't nobody question him on that? I don't know. Jay Jay Woodcroft. That was his yeah. name. Dude, it's like he like dunked his hair in a vat of oil. And it was and he just walked out into <laughs> Oh, that makes sense. The oilers. And that Uh-oh. was uh, that was not planned, folks. That was Geek. not planned. Um,
1: um but, anyways, no, I mean they, they were a floundering uh, franchise this year. They had every piece, and there's really I mean, if you have McDavid and Dry Settle on, on your team. What do you do to make the team better? I mean, shit. I mean, I mean they needed a goalie, but all they did was fire their coach, and they won sixteen consecutive games. That's how much yep. a coach can mean to a franchise. Sometimes we all saw it last year with the
0: Bruins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, since since our last recording, um, Bruins played three games. They lost to the Hurricanes three to two. Beat the Senators three to two in overtime. An electric three on three uh, overtime, by the way big saves by Swayman. Um, Marshawn comes down the ice and just absolutely rips one past Corpusalo for the W and then Bruins shit stomp the Philadelphia Flyers 62. I, I believe they had was it five goals in the first period or was Yeah, it that was, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Four, four goals in the first period. Um, and they all came less than four and a half minutes apart from each other. So can <laughs> they just turn on the jets for a minute and JVR goal against his former team?
1: Hell yeah. No, I remember watching that. uh, I think I only watched the first period of that. Uh, Yes. Yeah, I only watched the first period of that because I had to go. But, I I mean, I I saw the best part about it. I remember it because they scored. I thought Pasta was going to go for a hat trick because it was one after another, after another, after another. And I remember. Brett. uh, Brett. Brett
0: almost called that.
1: Yeah, I know. I think my, my mom was sitting on the, on the couch when I was leaving. She's like, What's up with the Flyers? Are they really this bad? And I was like, ah, They're not great. But I mean, like, it's not like on pace to lose 17 to nothing bad. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I think, you know, that kind of speaks to about what this team can do. Cause I know certainly at times, I myself have said it numerous times that this team can't, they can't win by expecting to outscore the opponent every single night, they just didn't have the horses for it. And it feels like, um, whenever I say that whenever I really say anything, they go out of their way to prove me wrong. It's honestly kind of infuriating. And, uh, (laughs) you know, here I, here I was, I mean, I say that they don't have the horses to do this and you know, they have a plus Think you said was 55 goal differential. I mean, pasta's got almost 45. Paz has got almost 80 points this year. He's on pace for another career year. They're scoring four goals in a matter of four minutes against the Flyers. Um, No, I mean, this team, when when they want to, they can flip on a switch. I mean, we all know what they can be defensively, and it certainly helps having those two goalies in net. But um, it's very encouraging seeing them be able to kind of turn it up a notch when need be. Although that does kind of coincide with one of the things I talked about in the past, too, that does worry me sometimes about this team is their consistency. Because there's times where they're playing a game against a team and a team that they're obviously better than, Uh, you know, we can uh, say I was going to say the Senators and, uh, you know, like the Bruins could be losing, you know, three, three, one or something. And suddenly there's five or six minutes left in the third period and they just like dominate. They just take over the whole game because they're like, oh shit. They look up at the clock and say, Oh, we're running out of time. Maybe we should probably try to like win this game. And, you know, then like they're peppering the goalie and there's guys moving all over the place. And it's like, well, I wish they could lock in and do this from puck drop because you have a, a replay, what we just saw against the Flyers the other day, where they score four goals in four minutes. They're more than capable of doing it. It's just a matter of locking in and the consistency aspect of it.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I would not have wanted to be in that locker room with Torts after the first period of uh, Oh my god, of that game. Oh my god. But, although, I mean, props to him because he was given the goal. He pulled the goalie and he was giving him props to keep your head up and you know. Yeah. Blah blah blah. I know we've we've talked. I mean, I know that the a,
1: a lot of people don't. I will not say don't like him, but a lot of people have their own opinions about coaches uh, Torts coaching style. But did you see, I think we talked about it before when he called out the reporter who said that bullshit about Kevin Hayes. Did you see the other day when that reporter asked him a question in the press conference and he was like, starting his question and Torch was like, are you, but by, by the way, are, are you the guy who said that stuff about, Ke- I'm not answering your questions next. Yeah. And he like totally blackballed the guy. And now he's refusing to answer questions from him, which I thought was great. He's standing on his business.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, honestly, like I think we said this a couple episodes too, or at least I did. But I would love to play for Torts. I mean, that's a that's like he might be a little bit of a hard ass sometimes, but he has a good tracking, a good track record in the NHL. You know, he <coughs> has your back, and I mean, he keeps you accountable. And I just feel yeah. like as like a, a leader behind the bench, like that's what you need. You you can't always have a just just a player's coach, right?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I think I think players coaches work in some locker rooms, but um, I mean, I'm, and, and Torts has the the resume to help, you know, back up his coaching style. I don't know if you listened to the spit and Chicklets episode from I think it was last week from Scott with Scott Hart. Scott Hartnell was on it and he was talking about his experience playing with Torts and how, uh, you know, like when he was his coach, he he hated him and they you know, they butt heads and he didn't appreciate his coaching style. And he said, it wasn't until he was older. He was like, Oh man, like I appreciate everything that guy did for me. Like I understand why he coached me that way. Um, and you know, he understands that there's some guys who don't respond to that kind of coaching, which is fine, but um, that he thought it was valuable on his career. I remember he was telling a story about how he was mad that torts didn't put him out in the ice at the end of a game. I think like the Flyers were losing by one. It was a close game. They might've pulled their goalie and they didn't put Hartnell out in the ice and he was pissed and he, or, or maybe they didn't play him in the third period of a, it was something like that. He, he wasn't playing in, in crunch time and he was mad and he like went up to torts and he was like, you know, like, what the hell? Like, you're not playing me. And you know, at this in this stage of the game, and torts told him, like, Oh, I'm not playing you because you suck defensively. She basically just told him how it was. And Hart, like, and Harden was like, I don't suck defensively. Like, find me one clip where I was where I made a bad mistake on defense. I cost this. And and uh, Torch was like, All right, I'll pull the film for you tomorrow. And then he said, The, the next day they came to practice, and torts went up to Harden, and he's like, Listen, I got to apologize to you. We looked through all the film, I couldn't find anything of you blowing a defensive coverage. So I guess I just. Don't trust you out there. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that was his reasoning behind not playing Scott
2: Hartnell. <laughs>
1: <days>. <laughs> which is funny. I mean, he says it how it is, which some guys can appreciate, but um, I can also understand kind of this new wave of players, you know, it, it doesn't always resonate and sit right with everybody.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Like, But that's why I'm like, I, I don't know. Jim Montgomery seems to be like the perfect mix of both right? Like Jim Montgomery is obviously a player's coach. Like I I would be surprised to find out if there's any guys in that locker room that are like, no, like, I don't want to play for this guy. Like get him out of here. Like it's either he's gone or I'm gone. Like I I would be shocked if there was anybody like that. Um, It's a good mix between player coach and then, and then a systems coach because he mixes up the lines. He trusts his guys yeah, and he holds guys accountable as well. You, I mean, you saw it with Matthew Patra not playing third periods. I mean, he sticks to yeah. his guns.
1: Yeah, I think I think the best coaches are those who, like you just said, are able to walk the line. I think most of the most of the coaches, not even just in the NHL, but I think across really all sports at every level, they're either a player's coach or they're more of a kind of a rugged, rugged like this is how it's gonna be kind of coach. And um, I think and I feel like, you know, holding players accountable kind of falls in both of those categories. And I feel like Jim Montgomery is is firmly in the middle. I would say he leans more towards a players coach. But, um, you know, we've seen how close this guy is with players and he always has their backs. But at the same time, like he can pull a page out of torts playbook and call a guy out in the media. We saw it when they lost to Carolina, when they gave up that breakaway goal with like 30 seconds after the game or whatever. And right after the game, when they asked Montgomery about it in the media, he was like, yep. I mean, he basically was, t- he didn't say Hampus Lindholm's name, but he was like, you know, our defenseman pinched too high there. You can't be pinching that situation and it costs us the game. And uh, I think that's the kind of accountability that players can appreciate, especially when it's paired with, you know, in the locker room, I have your back. We're friends, you know, I'm i I'm still your coach, but like you have to be able to kind of say what has to be said and push these guys to do what you need them to do. I think that's what makes the best coaches. And I think that Jim Montgomery at least will, I've seen out of him the last year and a half, I think has been everything like that and more.
0: Yeah. um, Jim Montgomery, I feel like is the absolute perfect coach. I remember uh, the summer that he was hired. I think it was between him and David Quinn and thank God that, you know, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely went with Jim Montgomery because he's been nothing but, you know, I, I don't want to use perfect, but because he was not perfect, but he's been as close to perfect as you can possibly get as a professional hockey coach. I mean, he's been lights out.
1: Yeah. And I mean um, obviously everything too, that he brings to uh, this franchise before coming here. I mean, he, he won a national championship at Denver and I know especially like, I wonder if that's helpful too, with like the new wave of players you're seeing in the NHL. A lot of these guys are NCAA guys. I wonder if that helps him when in, in coaching against them and, If some of them do play for the Bruins as well and coaching them again as well,
0: I mean Danton Heinen was a part of that national championship team.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, and obviously we already knew who Danton Heinen was before Montgomery was even a coach here. But you got to think as well, Danton Heinen. I mean, I we joke about it all the time how this guy was literally sitting in a hotel room in Boston waiting for the Bruins (laughs) to call him, but. And and I we've joked in the past that that was because nobody wanted him, but it would definitely have to do more with. I'm sure he wanted to come back and play for the Bruins. Most importantly, I'm sure he wanted to come back and play for Jim Montgomery. So he was more so just waiting for the Bruins to ring his phone, knowing he was all he was going to play here all along. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that definitely helps. And um, I mean, we saw last year everything he did for this franchise, even in yeah. in Vancouver too. Who's Vancouver's coach right now? Rick Tockett. Rick, yeah, Rick Tockett. I mean, when they straight from, straight from TNT. Yeah, dude, I remember when they fired. Um, was it Bruce Bochy? Was that the coach they had
0: before him? That's that isn't that the coach of like the Orioles? No, Bruce. Bruce Bochy. Yeah, I thought he was that's, the chubby guy. Isn't that an MLB manager? Oh my Bruce god, Bocci? you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're thinking it's, Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce, Bruce. Yeah,
1: Boudreau. Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, yeah. Because when they fired him, that wasn't really done correctly and I know uh, Vancouver did not take the city of Vancouver and their families did not take that well it was very emotional I remember his final game there um, and they kind of like did like a weird like ceremony not really thing for him um, and when he left and they hired Rick Tockett and holy shit I mean for everybody who wasn't expecting the Bruins to do what, do what they're doing this year nobody expected the Vancouver Canucks to have the best record in the league at the at the halfway point with a plus 65 goal differential or whatever. I mean, they're absolutely humming right now. Um, and that's another team that all they did was change their coach and they made a couple, you know, had a couple pickups too, but, and here they are, you know, 50 games in 71 points and 33 wins. Unreal team.
0: Well, yeah. Do they have Connor Garland? But anyway, <laughs> before we get into that, um, I think at this point in the show, we can probably hop over to the voicemails and then the uh, DM segments. As always, I want to remind everybody that the voicemails and DMs are brought to you by Mel's House Crab Rangoon's promo code MEL's, MEL50 for 50% <laughs> of your next Crab <laughs> Rangoon order. Um, but yeah, Mel, um, I think you got the first voicemail. Actually, voicemail's. Yeah, we
1: have one, two, three. We have seven here. Uh, one of them just came in uh, about a half hour ago. The first three of them are from, I believe, hang on, I'm just going to play it because I haven't listened to him yet. I recognize the phone number. I think this is Tommy Bennett. Yeah, it's Tommy Bennett. I saw the transcription. Uh, shout out Tommy. What's his Twitter account? Is
0: Tommy? Uh, at, at TJ Bennett, 37, three T's. Yeah. All right.
1: This is Tommy's
0: first
1: voicemail.
2: What's up, my brothers at Primetime Productions? It's Tommy, and man, we just gotta talk about how you are on this Trent Frederick movement. I mean, it's the next big jersey purchase, and I think it's safe to say that they need to extend him, and they need to extend him now. I think it was amazing what Don Sweeney did Kind of giving that Briggs deal, you know, seeing how much he could build off of uh, last season's success. But man, what a absolute machine out there on the ice, especially uh, that Carolina game. Uh, the way he set up those uh, the Marshan goals, dude. Top six, top line, Freddie hockey. Who would have thought? I I'm all for it. I love it. Uh, his goal last night against Ottawa, absolutely amazing! What a beautifully placed shot! I don't know what you give him for a contract. I'm kind of, I'd love to sign him for eight years. I don't know if they'll take that, but man, give him, give him like six by four and a half. That that's me. You lock him up. He's emerged as a true uh, modern day uh, power forward. And it's kind of something the Bruins haven't exactly had. And it's amazing to see him uh, thrive in this role. And, and I'm all for it. And I'm kind of on the same train as Sully. Trent Frederick might be the next
0: jersey purchase. Hell yeah, dude. Me and you can rock that jersey at the Garden. Um, I'll get the alternate, and then you can get the home. And then, boom, perfect. <laughs> there we go. Or vice versa, whatever. You, you can pick first. But he said, what, six by four and a half? Yeah. I think it's higher.
1: I was gonna say I think it's higher too.
0: I'm thinking I'm thinking it's. I compared Frederick to, in his gameplay kind of similar to Charlie Coyle last season, and the more we see him play, the more I think he actually might exceed Charlie Coyle's. Um, you know, five five point two five. 25. Oh yeah, play and contract. I'm thinking he might end up somewhere if he hasn't because he because he still has one more year left on his deal. Still, we have to see what he does next year. Um, And I think Sweeney's going to wait and see. But if he continues to progress and he continues to get better, I mean, going through his seasons right now, 2018, 2019, 15 games played, no points. 2019, 2020, um, two games played, no points. That must have been the COVID year. Um, Mm -hmm. 2020, 2021, 42 games played, five points. All of a sudden, 2021, 2022, he starts feeling himself and he goes 60 games, um, basically a full season and 18 points. Last year, 79 games played, his first real full season, 31 points. This year, dude's already got 29 points, 49 games, uh, 14 goals, 15 assists. He's a plus 17. Um, He can fight. He can hit. He can muck it around in the corners he can win puck battles uh he throws his weight around he loves playing in that role he's a top six guy for sure i think um if he has a similar year next year i would say six by five and a half that would be my especially with the cap going up six by five and a half would probably be my number
1: yeah um the 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 trend frederick jersey is a Great call. I remember before the season started, I was thinking about getting a Lauco one. Uh, I decided to get a Bergeron one instead because, of course. But <laughs> the uh, that's a good call with the Frederick jersey. The contract, I remember I, when we talked about last week, I, I, I wanted to give him a coil deal, which I think was five at 5.25. I would much rather lock him up before next year starts just in case he does take another jump. You, I don't want him hitting free agency because... The Bruins will get outbid. I mean, there are a handful of teams who would be interested in a guy like Trent Frederick. Um, I would, gi- I think, I would give him. I would feel comfortable if they gave him five for five and a half. But I would start with the Charlie Coyle deal, which is five years, five point two five. I think he's going to get more than four and a half, though.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Just just lock him up and keep him in this organization. Would you give him, or do you think
1: he would be interested in a eight year deal?
0: maybe i mean money would be secured long term that would take him up until he's i think 32 um the only thing is what would your value be in an eight year deal like six would you go eight by six
1: um i don't know i don't think i would i don't if 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 i'm giving him six mil i don't know if i would do it for eight years because i mean yeah he's he's progressing there's no guarantee he's going to take like an, for what he's giving you this year would you pay six million dollars for what he's doing this year
0: no if it's similar uh, well i mean he's on pace for like 60 points that's quick math that i'm doing in my head actually no, no. Yeah, he is about he's about 50 55 to 60 what does he have 29 through how many games 29 through 49 so maybe like Around fifty points. Yeah,
1: I don't know. if me uh, six mil for that.
0: Even with the cap going up, though. I mean, I don't know, dude. It's gonna be. He's yeah, an I don't know. Contract. He's a really interesting contract.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't. I don't think the Bruins are gonna give him eight, and I don't think he'd want eight. I would give him a five year deal. I'd push it to six, but I'd feel good right in that mid mid five range, five and a half mil. Ugh, I think that's a sweet spot
0: for Trent Frederick. Yeah, I was going to say sweet spot for sure.
1: Because a part of that is you're also paying for who you think he's going to become. And if the Bruins give him an eight year and and like, yes, everything is pointing towards him taking another step this year because he's taken big steps the last three years in a row. But what happens if you give him an eight year deal and he doesn't? Like, what happens if, you know, next year and, and he takes a step back, maybe like we saw Hampus Lindholm do? I don't think he's going to, but. You know, those are those are things you got to think about when you're giving out a contract that long. They gave David Pastrnak an eight year deal because he's arguably the best player in hockey, uh, and he deserves a fifteen year deal if that was legal, but it's not. <laughs> but, anyways, we got two more voicemails from Tommy. This one was from Friday at ten thirty in the morning.
2: What's up, guys? This is my second one in one day, which is an all time record for myself. <laughs> I got a very quick question for you guys. So this is Friday and you guys will probably record next week. So you got some time to digest on this one. But it looks like the Flyers are extending forward Owen Tippett for eight years and his AAV is going to be anywhere between six and six and a half. That was per Elliot Friedman. I am just wondering if this has any Indication of what Jake DeBrus Could receive from the Boston Bruins Does that raise his price Or Can they just kind of come up with Something to maybe meet in the middle I know this has been an ongoing topic Because he had a very slow start I mean his effort was there but the production wasn't And now the production is finally starting to come And he's firing on all cylinders Um, I am just Curious now with that Coming out If Debrusk is now going to be seeking that, and that is going to be his benchmark for a contract. Because, in my opinion, I think Debrusk is the better player, even though Owen Tippett is more of a power forward. But I am now just curious what you guys think, because I really do think that sets the stage for what's to come for a Jake Debrusk extension. Hope you boys have a great Friday. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And go bros.
0: Thanks, Tommy. Um, I agree. I think Jake DeBrusque is a better player than Owen Tippett. Um, Owen Tippett's career high in points is 49. 49 points in 77 games. This year he's got 30 points in 46. Um, I think that's a vast overpay by Philly for Owen Tippett. I mean, 6.2 million AAV. Um, it probably will jack the price up of Jake DeBrusque a little bit. I still don't think Jake DeBrusque is north of a $6 million player. Um, $6 million is probably the cap, but this Owen Tippett deal does kind of throw a wrench in in the narrative around Jake DeBrusque.
1: Yeah, I feel like the Owen Tippett deal is a bit like what we were just talking about with Trent Frederick. They're not so much paying him for who he is right now, but who he's going to be. Um, I mean, last year, Owen Tippett as a 23 year old had 27 goals this year through 46 games. He already has 18 of them. So he's probably going to hit that 30 goal mark this year, be pretty close to it. And he's only 24 years old. So I think looking down the line, especially with that cap going up, like you just said, $6.2 million a year for a guy who's getting better every year, who's already knocking on 30 goals a season, is a pretty good deal. Jake DeBrusque, on the other hand, I feel like I you're right. I feel like who Jake DeBrusque is capable of being when he's when he's on his game is a better player than Owen Tippett. But I feel like with Jake DeBrusque, you already know who he is. Um so I don't, he's not going to get an eight year deal like Owen Tippett, but I do think that this deal could push the needle a little bit for, Dub- for DeBrusque. Maybe this is what gets him at that six mil. Maybe this is what gets him close to six mil. I don't know if I would, I don't, I don't remember what I said I would give him for a contract before. Um, I mean, would you give him what, what's Owen Tippett's number? 6.25.
0: Six point two,
1: yeah. Would you give Would you give DeBrusque like a f- a five year deal with a six point two AAV? <sighs> Listen, now, honestly, this moment in Maybe. time now now that I've seen him play hockey over the last three weeks, I might. Like, yeah. if you asked me a month ago, I would say hell no, <laughs> because he wasn't scoring, and that's the only thing that worries me. I don't want to give a guy that much money. Who could go two to three months In a scoring drought like DeBrusted. Yeah obviously he was doing other things to help Impact the game but at the end of the day I mean if You're playing a guy whose His role is like a grinding sniping Forward who makes shit happen top Six minutes and he's not going to be able to deliver Uh on the score sheet At least I don't know if that could justify giving Him a number north of six
0: I think If If he continues this hot streak for uh, for another maybe 2 or 3 months, right? Consistently. Mm-hmm. I would be okay with it. If he finishes this season strong and he's consistent like this for throughout the rest of the year, then you're able to swallow that a deal like Owen Tippett's a little bit easier. I would be okay with it, but he has to continue to perform. He can't yeah. he he can't go through another month-and-a-half-long dry spell.
1: Yeah, exactly. And Debrusque is more than capable of being a perennial 25-goal scorer guy. If that's who he's going to be, then I'm comfortable giving him a deal like that of Owen Tippett. I still wouldn't go. I I just feel weird about long contracts. That's just me. I would not give Jake Debrusque an eight-year contract at that number. But like you just said, if if he doesn't finish strong and if he finishes the season with like, 16 or 17 goals and he takes another step back and he has another three weeks of just just a drought in terms of point production. That's what worries me about giving a player that kind of number. And it's not like an astronomical high number but the Bruins are in a, a, a position right now where they're kind of restarting. Like these massive contracts that the Bruins have been handing out the last fifteen years with their core is gone. I mean, you have you have Pasta locked up. Who's the guy you want locked up? You have McAvoy locked up. Who's like twenty seven? Lindholm's like twenty eight. And then like the rest of the team is just like, well, what do we do with the rest of this money now? Like you're in a in a, in a point where you don't have to be giving out these long term deals, and you can actually go out and do some damage with the money that you have. So. I don't know, just something to think about. But I do think that they do uh, give Jake DeBrus the contract that he wants. And I think, you know, the season ends and Debrusk is right around that 20, 25 goal mark, which he's capable of. I'm okay with giving him a, an AAV around six, like Tippett.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Also too, I think the Flyers are giving Tippett a little extra money just so they can still have a uh, <laughs> a, a ginger on their team. Of I course, think so too. <laughs> when Hartnell left, they, they were left with a void. All right, here's the third voicemail from Tommy. This was from Saturday at f- around 4.30. I'm
2: going to make this quick. I'm going to make this simple, boys. But Get Derek Forbert off his damn team <laughs> and keep Waterspoon in full time. I think the time has come. They're clearly not struggling without Forbert. I don't know what else Don Sweeney needs to see. Ship him to Mars, Pluto. I don't really care where he goes, but he does not need to be on the Boston Bruins. Thank you. Have a good
1: weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs>
0: yeah. um, Listen, yeah. I'm
1: not arguing that.
0: Honestly, what I thought was interesting, he said, "Watherspoon." So, is does that mean he'd rather have Watherspoon than Lori? Um, I'd be okay with that. I think Lori, Watherspoon, and Shankirk could just rotate constantly. Just day yeah. off, Watherspoon, and you're in. Kirk you need a day off, Laura, right, you're in. Watherspoon, you're out. Shankirk, you're in. I like I like Watherspoon a lot.
1: And yeah, uh honestly. So I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Forbert at Forbert, if Sweeney's been trying to trade Forbert for a while, but like dude, that contract is it's it's so hard to move. Um this is his last year, anyways, right? It's an expiring deal. All right well maybe I mean you have that going your way. maybe it's a little easier to move with that but yeah. uh, I, I really I really like Watherspoon. I think it was Brett who said it the other day when like Watherspoon, I was like, wow, like this is a good piece like Bruin's like he you know he could be a, a good part of of this team moving forward. He's a young guy you know I want to see if he takes another step in his game. I did not know he was like 27 years old. I thought he was like 21 22 like <laughs> like Laura I was go so I was like wow, like you know this guy just stepped foot in the NHL. You know, holy crap! He's really learning this system. No, he's been in Providence forever.
0: I just, <laughs> I just didn't know. He's a, he's a Providence resident at this point.
1: Yeah, but, he forget an apartment, dude. He's got a house in Providence.
0: He, he's got a part. He's got a. I don't know what their new Rick is called, but he's he has like you know how the Blue Jays have those hotel suites in the outfield. Yeah. While this spoon has his own suite in the in the press box at the Dunkin' Donuts Center,
1: <laughs> he's got a he's got a parking spot with his name on it out there. <laughs> yeah, VIP. He knows the the Dunkin' Donuts cashier by name. He goes. He's <laughs> he's a Providence guy through and through. All right, we got uh, four more voicemails here. These are all from Lowell. The first one is from Monday last night at eight forty five p.m. Fred
2: Frederick. Get sick. feels like he gets better and better each game. He's playing unbelievable right now. Definitely my favorite Bruin right now as well. And then that goal he scored against Ottawa, so nice. Just a pure goal scorers goal from Fredzo. But uh, in your guys' opinion, what would you say he's playing at right now in terms of AAB? Like, what is he worth? Uh, what would you say the dollar amount equivalent is to Mr. Fredzo's current play? But well, nah, I would
0: love to hear what you guys got to say about this one. Ooh, so current play right now, if I had to give, if we had to give him like an AAV dollar amount, um, oh, uh, what is he making right now? Is he at
1: um? He's making uh just over two million. He's making two million in fifty thousand okay. dollars. Okay, two point three million dollar cap hit.
0: Right now, he's probably playing at what? Like a four and a half million dollar AAV? I
1: think, I, yeah, I, I I mean, I think production wise, I mean, 14 goals and 29 points, I think is probably, uh, well, I'd say about four and a half. But what that number doesn't, qualify what you really can't calculate is everything else he brings to the intangibles, you know, the, the guy who's mocking it up. Like you said, who's getting in fights, drop the mid shadow, Chris Davis, who's, you know, the one who's yelling at the other team's bench. I mean, I you, you can't really factor that into that number. Um, but I feel like, you know, like player wise, production wise, I think four and a half is, is fair for what he's been giving you. I think if if you could put a price on everything else he's doing five mil.
0: Yeah. Yeah, all the intangibles and all the things that don't stand out on the stat sheet, like yeah. five. Uh, you know what? Let's go five. He's playing at a $5 million AAV uh, value. I, I like would that. be okay with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he has uh, – I mean, what's what's Zaka making? Four and a half? I believe so. I think Zaka's at four and a half, and Zaka has one more point than Frederick does this year, um, given Frederick's played four more games, but still.
0: And Frederick, and like you said, he brings all those intangibles that soccer yeah. doesn't.
1: Yeah, he does. Forty-five yeah. penalty minutes, baby. Yeah. Third yeah. on the Bruins, fourth on the Bruins. All right, sure. we. <laughs> all right, we got three more. This one is from Monday at ten thirty p.m. Dude, hi. The first ever high-level line, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's legal.
2: I got like the Delta A gummies from three G. Like on the internet. So it's legal. <laughs> but I was in here, supposed to go to bed and I was like, dude, the Bruins don't play for another nine days. So like what do you guys think like me me <laughs> what do you guys think I should do? <laughs> <laughs> like the Bruins aren't on. What should us Bruins fans do while like, well, the Bruins aren't on, dude? Like, what
1: do I do? Like, like, so far away. Yeah, what do we do without the Bruins? Honest, honest, honest to God, watch the Celtics.
2: They're dude.
0: going crazy right now. I I love Louisville. I have never heard like a more stereotypical high guy than than that voicemail right there. He was like,
1: what do you guys think about
0: me? I mean, (laughs) I think I'm going to have to go back and count it, but I think he said dude seven times. (laughs) Listen, Um, listen, listen.
1: I know how depressing it is right now. There's no Bruins on. I mean, you could pick up a book. I wouldn't do that. I hate reading. Watch a movie. You got Do some- a puzzle. Do a puzzle. Paint the picture. But in all, ser- in all seriousness, I always say this every year for each team's all-star break. When it's the Bruins' all-star break, I always encourage fans who don't watch the Celtics to go watch some Celtics basketball because this team is the freaking balls. Best record in the league. They're absolutely destroying everybody they play. Uh, I mean, this episode drops Wednesday, but so they played against the Pacers last night. I hope they beat them. Um, And tomorrow night, Thursday, 730 p.m. at the Garden, Celtics and Lakers. Watch that game, Lovel. Tune in. Eat your gummies. Do what you got to do. Put the Celtics game on TV and uh, hopefully you'll see a win. They also play the Grizzlies on Sunday, an old friend Marcus Smart comes back to town. So there's two games right there to finish your week without Bruins hockey. You can watch that. I know will be electric on the TV. You
0: could play Monopoly. You could play Risk. <laughs> Hell, you could you could weave a basket. Maybe you, you could, could
1: learn uh, a trade. You could learn a trade. You could you can make some recipes. You could learn a language. Big some language. muffins. You could pick up a night class at Asibit. Bake some weed muffins, Lowell. I mean There you yeah. go. Do that and then watch the Celtics. And I always say yeah. the same thing during the NBA All-Star Break, I always tell my Celtics friends to watch the Bruins because there's your fair share of um you know fans who watch both teams. But I'm always amazed by the amount of Bruins fans who don't watch the Celtics and the amount of Celtics fans who don't watch the Bruins play in the same city. They play in the same damn building, for God's sake. I mean, Jason Tatum bumps in the David Posenock in the hallway. I mean, you would think that, you know, you would have more people. And I know how hard it is because they play in the same season. A lot of games are on the same night. But this is a prime example to tune into the Celtics if you haven't watched them play in a while.
0: I will say, I know you've been a fan of both for your whole life. So, like, you know both teams equally. For me, someone who's only been into hockey... Uh, personally, I think basketball is just like the most, I'm not, that's not going to do it because you're going to get mad at me. No, I know what you're going to say. So finish the sentence. So goddamn boring, dude. It is so boring to me, to me as an individual. I don't enjoy a basketball game.
1: I think that's because you 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 thrive off the quick satisfaction of that as a hockey game. There could be a big hit at any moment and there could be a goal at any moment. There could be a fight at any moment and you're always riding that dopamine high of you never know what's going to happen in the next second. Yeah, in, basketball, crack. in basketball, it's like a game of chess. Like, you know you're watching them the fundamental basketball they're making the right play they're making the right read and sure there could be a big dunk sometimes there could be a three-pointer but there's no sport like basketball that has the amount of momentum swings and you could you can like feel the game happening like you can feel when like a big block the way that it like juices up a team or you can feel like the transition happening and momentum and Everything about it. So for people who don't like basketball, I totally get it. My mom hates basketball because she can't stand the shoes squeaking on the floor. Everybody has their reason why they don't like basketball. But if there were two games that could make you a Celtics fan, or if there were two games that could make you a fan of basketball, it is the game on Thursday night when LeBron James and the Lakers come into Boston. He only comes here once a year. These two teams hate each other. The Lakers got a world of their own drama going on right now. Half their team wants to be traded and on sunday you have the memphis grizzlies marcus smart coming into town who is one of the most beloved boston athletes of the last 20 years i mean he i mean you build a statue for greats marcus smart isn't a great but like they could like hang his face somewhere that's how much people love this guy and this is the first time he's coming into town since he was traded he's hurt i don't believe he's he's not playing but i'm hoping he's going to be there
0: Yes, I will say, um, as, as someone who knows about the Celtics, I don't watch obviously, as I went on that little tangent earlier. But as somebody who knows about the Celtics and understands like the players on the team, or whatever, Marcus Smart was my favorite Celtic, and I compare Marcus Smart's role to the Celtics in a similar sense that, or in a similar sense of Trent Frederick's role to the Bruins. I feel like they are very similar in, in certain ways. I.
1: I think there's definitely similarities, but like for everything that Trent Frederick does, I don't mean like production wise, I mean like the intangibles you were talking about. Yep. Yeah. Like multiply that by ten and pretend that he did that every single year for a decade. And that would be Marcus Smart. Like he Yeah,
0: that's what I was gonna say. He's
1: unreal. And for people who aren't, you know, as closely following the Celtics as they are the Bruins, obviously the Bruins are Fantastic. I mean, the Celtics are undoubtedly the best team in the NBA. I mean, as good as the Bruins are this year, and we say, you know, hockey's always really hard too because, like, you get into the playoffs and anybody can win the Stanley Cup. And you can say the same thing about basketball, but, like, there was a reason we had the Warriors and the Cavaliers match up in the finals like four years in a row. Like, the best team usually is the one who wins. There's no better team than the Celtics. They are unbelievably loaded, best starting five in basketball. They're deep, they have a great coach a passionate fan base like the Celtics are legitimately knocking on the door of winning a championship this year and you don't want to miss it. You don't want to be too late. You don't want to go to the parade and not know what any talking points when you're talking to strangers throughout the course of the year. So tune into these games this week, see what happens, and uh, maybe you'll become a basketball fan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, we got two more voicemails from Louisville. This one is from Monday at uh, 11, 12 p.m.,
2: Jesus, like, my questions suck this week. Sorry to coming up with these questions this <laughs> week. My freaking brain hurts. This was playing so much mail.
0: It's in the weird...
2: But, uh, what do you what do we think, uh... What do we think, uh, fucking <laughs> Jesus. Points at the end of the year. How many points do you think the bees will, will finish with? Ooh. I'm gonna say
1: 116. What do you guys think? That was mm. that was such a simple question, and it took like everything in his body to get that out.
2: <laughs>
0: <Wow>. <laughs> so, so the Bruins have 33 games left in the regular season. If I'm doing that math right, I'm pretty sure I am. So, 33 po- 33 games left in the season. That's a possible 66 points they have 71 points right now so what's 71 66 81 91 101 111 i don't know 121 131 uh, so if they win out they got 137 points i'm going to say that this bruins team ends up with 140 100 i'm going to say this bruins team ends up with 100 and 11 points no no yeah 111 points I wanted to switch it to 100 points for their centennial but that would mean they would have to go on a mega colossal losing streak in order to just finish at 100 Um, so I'll say 111 Uh, I'm gonna say
1: 114 114 If the Bruins won 20 out of their remaining 33 games, they went 20 and 13, they would finish with 111 points, as you just said. Now, I don't think that they're going to, that's, they're obviously not going to go a perfect 20 and 13. There's going to be some overtime games in there, some, you know, overtime losses where they get a point. So I'm giving a little wiggle room. I'm going to say that they're going to go 20. What's that?
0: 27 and 3 <laughs> over there next
1: 30 that doesn't add up 20, 27 and, no 23 7
0: and 3 no 23 <laughs> oh my god everybody were you know witnessing mel have a complete mental breakdown right 20, now That's 20 2010
1: so 2010 and 3 they're going to go 2010 and 3 over the next 33 they're going to finish with 111 points 114 points
2: <laughs> oh my god
0: my brain just completely <laughs> dude, your brain melted. I couldn't what? even. I'm no, I can't. I can't. I all I heard and saw in my head was different numbers <laughs> bouncing around everywhere. I couldn't, I
1: couldn't the, even. They do Zach Galifianakis hangover meme when everything's going. In front. That's why you know. Oh. I always tell you, I count with my fingers. I don't have 114 fingers to count with, so I'm trying to do this in my head and with a calculator. Use your total. I don't have enough of those. Oh, God, okay, anyways, I say 114 points, you say 111, Lobel said uh, 116. All right, this is the last voicemail. This is from today, actually, at 5.30. This was right before we started recording.
2: Ew. Dude, Tommy Bennett tweeted about how the level line was going to be electric this week, so I had to throw another one in. I felt like the other ones were kind of lackluster. But uh, Mel, last week you uh, you were talking about how you were taking some heat on Twitter uh, when uh, David Posternock was not signed about it and possibly uh, being traded. Reminded me of when I was working in Pittsburgh, Louis, West Virginia. I worked for the gym management group. I don't recommend it. But we had like this like quarterly Zoom like, meeting where they were like, hey, what's something you're excited about this quarter? And then uh it was something that you you know, you're worried about when you when you put your head in the pillow at night. And uh, it got to me, I said some stupid shit about hitting like the sales quota or something I'm like excited about, like trying to get done. And then for the uh for the thing I was worried about for when I put my head on the pillow, I was like, Yeah, uh I'm pretty worried about uh Jim Fosterlock. Yeah, uh, so he resigns with the Bruins. And then everyone, like, in the Zoom meeting was, like, all quiet. And just kind of looked at me. And they were, like, what the fuck is this kid talking about? <laughs> so like, uh, yeah. That was really awkward. And then I left that place. Uh, place back. And then, uh, yeah, that uh, reminds me of a question. Who do you think should get the captaincy after uh, Brad marshall Thinking pasta or My Muggle would be pasta. I, yeah, I, have cool love- I have a question for you. Uh, thank
0: you, boys. I would say McAvoy, yeah. I think
1: McAvoy is the uh, the shoo-in. I think that there was a legitimate argument for him to get the C this year. Um, oh my god, that story made me laugh. I feel like, I mean, if if I was, I don't know, if I was Lovel, I don't know how I would sleep at night, like that, I would think about that non stop all the time, yeah. yeah and every, everybody's talking about, you know, everybody's probably saying some serious shit, too, you know, like, oh, hey you know, I got to work a couple jobs to feed my family or, you know, this is going on in my life. And Lowell's like, think about David Pasternak. And he's in <laughs> Pittsburgh too. <right? laughs> like they're all Penguins fans there. <laughs> Dude, I remember, um, oh man, I had the story I told you last night. I don't want to tell it here though. I've been thinking about that nonstop, about what happened at our game last night. Yeah. Um, but I Long remember ball when ball I was, ball, uh, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, Um, I think I've told this story before on here, but when I was a kid uh, and I played for the flames and we had like, and like a, almost like a yearbook kind of thing where like, you know, everybody had a, one of the moms on the team put it together and every kid's picture was in there. Like every kid had their individual page with their name, their number, their position, their picture. And they answered a couple questions, you know, like what's your favorite team? What's your favorite food or whatever? I don't even remember if it was food, but it was mostly hockey related stuff. And uh, the question, one of the questions was, uh, who's your favorite, who's your role model? And, you know, I was hockey player and the questions are all hockey related. So I got to who's your role model. And I wrote down like, here I am. I'm, I'm like, I don't know, nine. And I wrote down like, yeah, Alexander Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, we got our yearbooks and I was flipping through them. I'm not even kidding. Every single kid said their mom or their dad or like their grandpa and you get to me Alexander Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky and I felt like so <laughs> cool. I was like, oh my God. That was that was probably 16 years ago. And I haven't I haven't, I mean you can see the bag under my eyes. I haven't had a a, a lick of sleep since then. It's all I think about nonstop.
0: Dude, I kind of have a similar story. Um I don't know if I've ever told you this actually Back in the tri days, youth hockey, I think it was Pee Wee. So I'm like 11 or 12 years old. So I can't use the excuse of me being too young to just, you know, excuse this this thing that happened. End of the year, um, last game of the season, um, a parent brings in a puck or a bunch of pucks, right? And she's passing them around. Little did I know she only brought three pucks and we were all supposed to sign like as a team, sign the pucks for our coach. And it gets to me. I'm the first one to get it. And I have this big Sharpie and I signed the entire side of the puck with my name. And I handed it to the parent. She's like, what are you doing? This is for the whole team. And just one whole side of the puck was just my name.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did I, um, I don't know. It's I don't know if we have time. Did I ever tell you the the story of me and Isaiah when we went to Home Depot? We got kicked out of Home Depot for making a styrofoam boat. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) I'll give you the I'll give you the condensed version of it because I know we're a hockey pod. But um our mutual friend Isaiah called me. It was like the summer that I grad, I think it was the summer I graduated high school. He called me and said, do you want- what are you doing? And I said, I probably, I was probably playing video games or something. He's like, you want to make a styrofoam boat? Keep in mind, Isaiah is two years older than me. So I was 18. This is a 20 you know, year old man who's in college <laughs> calling his friend in high school, asking him to make a styrofoam boat with him. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So me, him and Eddie went to home Depot and we get there and I was humiliated. I'm like, I, we can't guys like, seriously, we can't let anybody know that these three, us three grown men are here to make a boat out of styrofoam. I feel like a fool. And, uh, the very, a very kind man from home Depot walked up to us. He's like, Oh, like, what do you guys could I, what could I help you with? And I immediately was like, Nope. And I, tu- and I turned around and walked away and Eddie kind of came with me. And Isaiah was like, yeah, we're trying to make a boat out of styrofoam. <laughs> dude." I was so embarrassed. And, um, a lot of stuff happened, but eventually we, we were so embarrassed. The guy was like, why are you guys making a boat out of styrofoam? And Isaiah didn't have the heart to tell him that we were making a boat out of styrofoam just because he wanted to. Because he woke up one day and was like, I'm going to make a boat out of styrofoam. Yeah. So Isaiah, Isaiah was like, oh, yeah, uh, we, it's for STEM, the STEM program at, at, at the high school. And the guy was like, oh, oh, my God, come this way. Like, I'll give you everything for free. I'm not even kidding. We were in Home Depot for about two hours. There no was probably there was like uh, an espionage of like between that's not the right word entourage there we go of between 10 and 12 home depot employees like everybody's giving us suggestions they're loading up our shopping cart this is what you should get our shopping cart was overflowing with styrofoam and other pieces of product. One of the things that we were going to use to make it float was those big Home Depot orange barrels. And the guy was like, listen, if you flip them upside down and tie them to the side of your styrofoam boat, it'll add buoyancy. And we'll be able to, we're like, this is great. And he was like, listen, we'll be able to give you everything for free because we're doing this with the high school because the STEM program. And he was like, this is great. My daughter, she's actually in eighth grade. She's thinking about going to the high school next year and she wants to join the STEM program. She's choosing between Marlboro High and, ask and this will be great because I'll tell her that, you know, the STEM program, you'll be able to make a boat out of styrofoam and this <laughs> might convince her to go to high And we're oh like, oh my, my God. God. And, they, and they're, and they're were like, we're like, I'm not even kidding. We were there for two hours. And the guy was like, you know, like, where are you guys going to let this thing sail? And we were like, Holtz Grove, uh, it, like the tiny little pond next to our high school and the guy was like awesome like just you know make sure to let us know here's my phone number and my work email we want to make sure we have a photographer down there getting pictures because we'll hang it on the wall behind the cash register because this is a thing that home depot can and he was like maybe and he was like do you have a contact for like your teacher or maybe an administrative member there so we can get in touch with them so we can do like an annual thing where we can sponsor this because this is a great opportunity for home Depot." oh my
2: god and it turned into this whole thing
1: just because isaiah wanted to make a styrofoam boat and uh so like we were like this whole thing was going on. And then somewhere in the middle, we met this old guy who told us he was the inventor of the, the sunsetter awning. And, uh, it got to be too much. And
0: what Home
1: Depot did you go to? The one in, uh, in Marlboro, dude, the (laughs) one in our town. And, uh, so like it got to be too much. And we waited until every, like all the employee, like one of the employees, like I'll be right back. I just got to go in the back and grab some. We're like, all right, fine. We're standing by the registers. Our cart's overflowing. And as soon as he leaves, the three of us are like, Dude, let's get out of here! And we just sprinted out. We sprinted through the garden section of Home Depot, but Eddie had a a little box of screws in his pocket that set the alarms off. So he stopped in the parking lot. I was like, "Screw it!" and took it out and just threw it back in the store. And we hopped in our car, drove away, and sat in the Burger King parking lot for like an hour because we were like, "What if Home Depot's following us?" Oh, and I I, I didn't God. go back in that Home Depot for like four years. This was all because he wanted to make a styrofoam boat.
0: Oh my god! I've never how have I never heard this story? I don't know. Uh,
1: uh, I was actually I was talking to Eddie about it the other day. It's one of those. Oh, uh, it was one of those things. And then I, I have so many stories about Isaiah and Eddie. There's another funny story at a restaurant, but I'll save that for another time.
0: Sheesh. Jesus Christ! Well, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't meet. I'm surprised you didn't meet, meet Steve Jobs at that Home Depot too. <laughs> the, the amount of people you were meeting, but um, so yeah. So shout out to Tommy. Uh, shout out to Lovel, um, as always, bringing the heat in the Lovel line with their voicemails. We did get two others here um, from our partners over in the UK. The first one that I'll play uh, comes in from Johnny Drummondville. Um, here's the first one. This is a reaction. To um, to, to, to Sorry, that was the wrong one. Um, to the Philly
3: game.
0: So he's talking about Philly. Johnny wants to know if we can play Philly every week, but here is his actual voicemail.
2: Good morning you beautiful bollocksing ball busting Bruin buggers. How are you all? <laughs> Johnny here from the UK celebrating today because we've got a ridiculously early five thirty face off which makes a massive, massive difference. Normally I'm half asleep because normally it's uh, seven Eastern time, which is normally midnight UK time quite a funny uh, tale is when i went to work one day and i was seeing how tired i was after staying up watching nhl hockey all night and my boss said to me well what time do they start playing i said midnight he said what a stupid time to play hockey <laughs> i was proud later on. I explained to him how the time difference works around the globe. Have a fantastic <laughs> evening tonight. Difficult game against Torts and the Flyers. I thought they were incredible the other night. Loved the absolute mega bastard bomb that David launched and Brad was outstanding as well. So have a fantastic Saturday, you
3: beauties! Toodlepip!
0: <laughs> oh yeah, Johnny! Dude! Oh my god! The, dude. The-, the-, <laughs> the comment about telling his boss how time <laughs> 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 That's crazy. So so he's he they're really getting screwed. So like regular game starts, he's up until midnight and then matinee games, he has to wake up at the crack ass of dawn. Are there any are there any it's it's probably hard to find more dedicated fans to the Bruins or NHL than UK people. Because oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, they're up they're up every hour of the night. What uh
1: When they play West Coast games, I wonder, like, a 10.30 p.m. start time? I wonder what time that would be at.
0: (laughs) Hang on. Let me do some internet research really quick.
1: No, uh, wouldn't a matinee game over here be 5.30 in the evening for them? 5.30 a.m. No, they're not. That would be over – that would be, like, 16 hours ahead of us. Hang on. Hang on. We're going to solve this mystery. Listen, he was making fun of his boss for not knowing how time zones work across the... No, I'm... Yeah, no. If a game starts at like 1230 here, it would start at like 530 over there.
0: Okay, so for West Coast games, if it's a 1030 start, that's 330 in the morning in the UK.
1: Yeah, that sucks. Holy shit. Listen, and I don't watch West Coast games here because I get too (laughs) sleepy. So I can only imagine that would be like having to stay up until 330. So yeah, so yeah. 7 30 start time games must start at midnight. And then 1 games must start at 5 30. Something PM.
0: like that. We might need Johnny to explain the time zones to us too. Yeah. Jesus just,
1: just, just pretend
0: we're your boss
1: and t- tell us yeah. how time zones around the globe work.
0: Yeah. I have a map right above me
1: too. It doesn't have time zones on it though.
0: I'm gonna get like the wall, the the wall clocks at like New York, London. Moscow, oh, yeah, <laughs> listen doing...
1: everybody who takes time out of their day to to call in until or to earth leave a voice message for us, I, I really I greatly appreciate it. but, dude, I don't think I've laughed harder than the ones that Johnny has sent in. Those are oh, so the best. Goddamn
0: funny. the tootle pip, <laughs> whatever gold. he says at the end, <laughs> we should we should have a we should have a Lovel line. And then a UK line. It should be the toodle, the toodle Pip line. Or the the Toodle, the toodle, pip, tele, the toodle pip Telly. The toodle pip telly. <laughs> the toodle pip telly. The TPT, baby. The TPT. With Johnny the t- and Stu. The, t- the TPT by the PTP over in the UK. <laughs> oh, Johnny and Stu. You're throwing
1: uh, too many letters at me.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> that's for all the numbers you threw at me earlier. But, <laughs> yeah, my um, to keep with the uh, to keep with the theme here over at the um, TPTPTP line of the UK, <laughs> here is a voice message from Guernsey Stew Island Stew. Here we go. Hey boys. So I'm just wondering, um, when do we? So worrying about Lindhome. I know he's still defensively, you know, okay, but offensively he hasn't been all there really this season i mean last season was amazing obviously but just wondering when do we start worrying i mean all it takes in the playoffs for mcavoy to get an injury and you know you gotta lean on lindon a bit more and you know he's not producing yeah do we need to worry all right cheers also, this
2: uh, you can hear Casper
1: because I'm sat with my son. <laughs> Love your pub. <laughs> Cheers, boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout outs to shout out, to. Uh, Listen, this is how I. This is my take on it. Sorry yeah, take, here, yeah, take yeah. off.
0: No, no, no. Take off with it. Take off with it.
1: My take on it is that I mentioned it before. I don't remember who tweeted it, but there was a line graph showing Hampus Lindholm's average play uh, it was a metric that basically determined his play offensively and defensively it was almost like a rating for a player and it was it was slowly going up but it was kind of always around the same point his entire career and then you got to last season and it literally tripled everything he's ever done it was the biggest anomaly listen I'm not a math guy not a time zone guy I wouldn't even call myself a graph guy But I know an anomaly when I see one, and it was astronomical. The player that he was last year was unbelievable, and I just don't think he's that guy. Because if you look at who he is this year, that metric I just referenced is right back to where it was his entire career. I would have loved if he was to be able to continue the play that he had last season into this season – And frankly, I don't know what made him wake up 82 times last year and become the reincarnation of Bobby Orr every night, but it happened. And I think that the player that we've seen this year is who he is. I think that this is who he is Uh, defensively. He's still been great. Uh, At times he has not been great, but for the most part, he's been, he's been pretty solid defensively offensively. He hasn't really, he hasn't come close to doing what he did last year, but he's, pretty much right there with what he's done every single year prior so I think if you look at Hampus Lindholm with the mindset of knowing he's not going to be able to recreate what he did last year but understanding that he's still a very good defenseman it makes his play a lot more bearable and that's how I get through it
0: um yeah I mean what I think I think Hampus Lindholm kind of I don't want to say he set himself up for failure because that's not fair at all. But I think his expectations after last season were set so high coming into this year that they were a little bit unrealistic. And like you said, I mean, this is this is who he is. And if this is who he is, then that's totally fine. He's a good defenseman. Um, obviously, in the beginning of the year, he was making weird giveaways, things that were really uncharacteristic of of his play, and that was concerning. But as the season has gone on, um, those giveaways and those sloppy plays of the puck have stopped, and he's just kind of back to playing his own game of hockey, which honestly is perfectly fine. Um, he doesn't have to be – however how, – how many points did he have this, last year? Um,
1: oh, shit, I think like 50-something.
0: Yeah, like that doesn't have to be his game. It would be great if it was, and if he can do that again, fantastic. Um, But that's performing above expectations. Um, I think what you're seeing right now is what you should expect with Hampus Lindholm. Um, I mean, obviously, minus those, those sloppy puck plays and turnovers and stuff like that, which he's kind of solved himself. But I don't think you have to worry about Hampus Lindholm at all.
1: Yeah, I mean just going from a point production standpoint, we can go through it. When he was when he was a rookie at age 20, he had 30 points. The following year he had 34, then 28, 20, 31, 28, 23, 27, and then last year he had 53. So, spot the anomaly. And this year he has 19. So, he's on pace to have over 30 points, which would be the second right around probably this probably going to finish with the second highest point Uh, total in his career uh, second to last year Um, you know obviously last year he was an all-star and finished fourth in the Norris voting he's not going to do that again this year but he's still a fine player he's just not you know uh, the level of playing at the level he was at last year
0: yeah Um, yeah so shout out Guernsey Stu shout out to Johnny Drummondville our UK boys the day line Absolutely holding down the fort. The uh the toodle pip telly uh, <laughs> the TPT on the PTP SB. Oh yeah. Sure. All right, listen.
1: I have I have two very long DM questions here. The first one comes from Connor. He sent this last Wednesday at 10 p.m. Unfortunately, the day after we recorded. So I've been holding on to it since then. You can follow Connor on Twitter at con underscore dog26. Connor says, what's up, boys? Been listening to the podcast for a while now. First time I decided to interact. Couple quick comments and then question. First off, just got done listening to episode 76 real quick. I don't know if it's just the one near me, but Buffalo Wild Wings is terrible. Service is bad. Food is cold when it comes out. Just not good at all, but totally on board with Chili's and Applebee's. Also, hearing TikTok Toronto is the best name you can give that group of milk boys. I'm sitting here tonight watching the Bruins come back against the Hurricanes 2-2 with 10 minutes in the third. And I can't help but think a while ago on an episode when you guys mentioned how they should go back to the old Nesson scoreboard that went across the top. And I'll take it a step further and say they should bring back the old Bruins commercials with the bear who would mess with people and tuck in jerseys yeah. or dating a Canadians fan. Hell those are yeah. great times. I honestly, I still watch those every now and then when I can. Uh, he said, I also took the trip out to Vegas for the Bruins game earlier in the month, right into Carlo walking the street. And I wish the Jacobs family would. Spent just a little bit of money for even half of a pregame show like Vegas has. I don't mean the whole Broadway performance, but add a little bit more to get the crowd pumped up when the Bruins come out other than some lights and back in black playing. <laughs> Next, although he didn't bring too much to the table on the score sheet, I wish Nick Felino, good old Uncle Nicky was on the team. Loved having him as a good locker room guy. Lastly, for the question, seeing how great this team is doing right now, heading towards the All-Star break, are you guys worried that we use all our energy in the regular season, that come playoffs, we crap our pants again, or do you think we learn from our mistakes and can make a very deep playoff run? If so, completely unbiased, how deep do you really think we will get? And can we just talk about how great Brad Marshawn's puck protection is in the power play? Anyway, if you read this far, appreciate it, boys. really love the podcast. i love to see how far you've come. Getting fans across the pond is definitely a huge accomplishment. Keep it up, boys. Hope to see you guys on a duck boat when they win the cup.
0: Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah,
1: Connor. Hell yeah. Don't what be a stranger. I think this is the first DM he's ever sent. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I appreciate that. You know- Listen, first of all. Sorry, you can go ahead. I didn't mean to cut no, you off.
0: No, 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 no. I was just going to say it's awesome hearing messages like that. I mean, it's just me and you hopping on StreamYard for an hour and a half every Tuesday night. Um, I know, dude, not, there's, there's so
1: many times we just – there's so many times we ramble. Honestly – I ramble on a, a whole bunch When I open my mouth I never know what's going to come out And there's plenty of times I'll look yeah. And I've been talking for like four minutes straight And I'm like oh shit is anybody even really going to Like listen to what I'm
0: saying right now
1: <laughs> So it always means a lot when people Say that they listen to us And uh, dude, The
0: the amount of times that I stumble Through sentences and the amount of times That I go uh And like hang on actually I just had it Let me go find it again like, I can't what? believe people listen to us
1: I know and you know what's crazy too is that we do all this in, in like one rip. Like there's, there's literally like, there's really never any editing that goes into this. Like we just sit down and press record and talk for an hour and a half straight and then hop on shell or something like I Like, I don't know. Like we don't like it, It's literally just us rambling for two hours every week.
0: Yeah. Um, no, there's there. I, I can tell you all the listeners. Cause Mel, you know, there's zero editing. The only thing yeah. that I edit is the, is the new intro every week and the outro. It, yeah. Everything in between is whatever we say from when we press record to end record. There is like no listen, editing.
1: That that whole when I was trying to do math, very easily could have saved myself the embarrassment and asked you to clip that out. But we're authentic around here, and I'm proud of not being good at math. I don't care. It's I wear it on my sleeve. Everybody knows I'm not a math guy, so that's fine with me. Unless we're talking about betting lines in football records. Then I'm Einstein. I'm Sir Isaac Newton. But um, anyways, I wanted to address his comment about Buffalo Wild Wings being terrible. That, that is bullshit. Terrible Buffalo, Wild Wings, terrible Buffalo Wild Wings gets such a bad rap, and it gets so much hate. It's been called overrated for so long, and it, people have been piling on it so much. That the tides are beginning to turn. The winds are changing. And now I would argue that Buffalo Wild Wings is underrated. And their commercials with that big-ass buffalo with the wings who, like, talks to people in the restaurant, hilarious. Buffalo Wild Wings is vastly underrated.
0: All this means, Connor, is that you're going to the wrong Buffalo Wild Wings. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I don't know which Buffalo Wild Wings that you go to, sir, Mr. Buffalo Wild Wings slandering sir, (laughs) (laughs) but you got to go to the one in Shrewsbury top notch number 1 buffalo wild wings in the country uh great That's service right. great great table space great wings everything's on tv you want something else you want a different game on tell the waitress tell the waiter yeah, Honestly, it'll be- you want a different a game
1: on you want a different game on turn your head there's like 95 TVs in there when you and i were there they, there was some show, like tv show on cbs they were playing if yep. you didn't want to watch sports you could watch reality tv but it's the oldest thing in the book you just because you have one bad experience, you can't lump them all in. It's a national chain. The one in although I might be biased, the one in Shrewsbury is the best one in the country. So that I would good. definitely, I would definitely head out there and check it out. And if there's a long, a long line, there's a tile store next door that we've walked through plenty <laughs> of times so we're waiting for our table.
0: Yep. Um, and now I'm curious, UK, uh, UK fans, Johnny, Guernsey, Jack, anyone else is out there. What is your version of Buffalo Wild Wings? I want to know.
1: Oh, yeah, because they don't have a Buffalo. Right? There's no Buffalo England. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's a question for our UK. Yeah, I don't know. I don't live in the (laughs) UK. The the London the London the London trifling legs.
0: Toodle-pip turkeys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All right, all right. For Connor's
1: question, um, are you worried that we used all our energy in the regular season to come playoffs, we crap our pants again, or do you think we learned from our mistake and make a very deep playoff run? If the Bruins didn't learn from what happened last year, we got a problem on our hands. Because yeah. myself and every Bruins fan around can tell you that I have taken so many shots for this team, and I've been telling everybody they learned their lesson. They learned their lesson. They're going to be back this year. Keep keep joking about last season. It's not going to mean anything when the Bruins make a deep playoff run this year. Everybody says every year the Bruins are chokers. I can't tell you how many – when the Bruins were going on their historic run last year, I can't tell you how many tweets I had bookmarked of people saying, it's not going to matter, it's going to be a first-run exit anyways. And, man, I was ready to unload on them, but <laughs> – they were right, damn it, and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. I would, I would hope, pray, and beg that the Bruins learned something from that experience last year, and I think that they're going to make a deep playoff run.
0: I have a question for you, but first off, I want to answer Connor's question. I don't, or I do think that they learned, and I also think the way that Jim Mon- Montgomery is handling the lines and wrestling players like JVR, Danton Heinen, Kevin Schenker. I think that's going to come into play come playoff time because those guys aren't going to have as many regular season games under their belt. They might not be as tired. They might not be as gas. They might be ready to go more than they would be if they, had they played all year. But my question for you, Mel, mm-hmm. and anybody else out there, do you want this team to win the President's Trophy? No. Okay. Thank you. So if it comes down to like the final like five games. And you're tied for first with say Vancouver or another Western Conference team. Tank. As long as the Bruins are
1: first in the East, that's all I care about. If Vancouver yes, wins yes. the president's trophy and the Bruins finish finish with the second best record in the NH, that is that is prime. That is my dream. That is perfect. Because I don't know if First of all, let me ask you: Do you feel how, how do you feel about Vancouver making a deep playoff run and making to the Stanley Cup? Do you think that they're capable of doing it this year?
0: Um, it, as long as Thatcher Demko keeps playing the way that he is, I mean, I I think that it's possible. Um, do I like the Bruins odds against Vancouver this year? I like the Bruins odds against anybody this year.
1: Yeah, so, there it is. Yeah, the only the only thing about Vancouver that I that if I was a Vancouver fan would might worry me is they have very little playoff experience. They don't have a lot of deep playoff run experience. I mean, like the, most of this Bruins team was part of that team and say what you want. I know they didn't make it far and it was a disaster that happened in the first round, but like, I feel like that carries some weight and that's something that they know happened last year that they don't want to recreate. And maybe that's just me making scenarios in my head with Vancouver. I don't know if that really means anything in the long run, but I'm going to choose to believe it. Cause I'm a Bruins fan.
0: Um, I feel like JT Miller come playoff time is going to be an absolute animal for vancouver yeah yeah did
1: you hear that now they might they might be interested in moving zadorov vancouver yeah what i it could have been a troll account but it would look like a reputable source with a blue check although you and I have blue checks, so how reputable <laughs> could it be but they were saying that Vancouver was looking to shed some salary or something so they were looking at guys like they mentioned somebody and then they also said or and I read the replies and everybody was like Zadorov, Zadorov, what
0: uh, so Craig Button uh, NHL insider he said if the Canucks make a decision they are not going to resign him no big deal but if I'm them, I'm not trading him. So I mean, it's it's you're not off base. You're actually not off base, which is could you? Nice.
1: I I think that would be really silly for me. Could you imagine come playoff time when the refs swallow their riff, their whistles and they just trot out Zadorov and Tyler Byers? like, oh. oh my god!
0: It's like oh my god.
1: Oh, okay, that would be ridiculous. Um. Oh wait, sorry. It was like I close the question um so that was his first question he said can we talk about how great brad Marchand's puck protection is in the power play power play penalty kill five on five doesn't matter dude he's his he is so strong on his stick and for a guy his stature to be able to fend guys off with his body and spin that quick in the corner is unbelievable i know we were talking about uh i think it was in the preseason or maybe like the first couple weeks of the season we were talking about patra and his ability to fend guys off at you know such a with no professional experience, in the way that he was able to protect the puck and move up and down the boards, you gotta think he learned that from Brad Marchand. I mean, Marchand's a, him and like him and Sidney Crosby might be the two players from this generation that I think of when I think of puck protection in the corner. I mean, there's there's nobody who can get that puck from. Them. They just turn around and throw their ass out and hold their stick out in front of them, and that defender needs help. The way that they're able to fend the puck off like that, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Um, did he have another question there as well? But actually, outside of that, yeah, Marshawn, especially coming off of that double surgery, um, him being 35, um, you would think that he would lose some of that strength, but mm-hmm. god damn, him and Charlie Coyle, both of them, two best protectors on the team without a doubt. Uh, oh, yeah. All right,
1: we also got our question from Jack, he's back, Jack. He's a. On- Jack on Twitter at a Jack B underscore Jack said, Hey team, just as you think the shit storm in Philly is over, we roll into town and shit all over them in their own building. <laughs> Sandheim clattering their goalie for our final goal is a perfect metaphor for the last month in Philly. As we head into the, to the boars, Oh, As we head into the all-star break, hero bore, that's not me. As we head into the all-star break, let's appreciate the NHL collaboration with Mario Smash Brothers for the the, the kits this year. Even for all-star kits, these are dreadful. Obviously, Leafs legend Mr. Dangle rates them highly, which speaks volumes as to how mingling they are. (laughs) Question this week is, how would you mix up the all-star break to make it more entertaining? Personally, I think I'd aim for an alumni-style event. Each division has a team of legendary players in a play-around-robin tournament. Been off the skill games as they're pointless. Pure legends of the game on the ice. Perhaps as an FU to Batman, John Scott could be captain for the Pacific legends. <laughs> I genuinely think they'd be up for it. Plus the active players would all get a rest. I have no idea what the viewing figures are like, but I'm buzzing. We don't do this gimmick in England. Cheers.
0: <laughs> I actually, lo- I really like that idea. Cause that's fun. And if you really think about it, if you're a player do you you want to go to the all-star game or do you want to take the break and relax and see your family and your friends? Like, I think
1: we all saw the video of that guy from Seattle who was told, did you see the video? I don't remember. Was it Bjorkstrand? Strand? it might have been i don't remember what his name was but he was sitting in the office and like his coach called him in he was like hey like sit down he was like what are you doing for for the all-star break he's like oh you know i got an airbnb plan you know my family my wife and kids are going you know the beach sun you know put your feet in the sand enjoy the sun hit the waves for a week it's going to be nice to get away and the coach was like well yeah, cancel those plans you're going to toronto and the guy was like Oh, thanks.
0: Like, he oh, was yeah. so mad. Dude, oh my god! You could see him like internally; his body language completely shifted. he was just like, "Fuck,
3: like I don't want <laughs> to
0: go <be> Like
1: <laughs> he did not want to be an All Star. No. And then he even he even posted it on his Instagram the next day of him canceling his Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, yeah. Him, sure? like, yeah, like a like uh, the All Star game is so meaningless now. And it is. It's meaningless in, in what it means to the players because the way that voting happens and the way that players get in. And it's meaningless because very, very few people watch it. And that's a problem, honestly, that every – every like the Pro Bowl sucks, the MLB and the NBA All-Star games. The NBA All-Star game is making an effort to make it better, but the MLB All-Star game sucks. I don't really know how you can make these better, but I like the idea of doing an alumni-style thing.
0: Can I be honest with you? Yes. Um. Thanks. I had this thought – the other day, randomly, actually, I was trying to go to sleep and this just crossed my mind. Um, it, the whole point of the All-Star game, right, is to market your players, your star players, right, to get them more known in, you know, just pop culture. I guess you could say sports culture, just to get them more known and sell your sport a little bit with the, the and this might be a, a lowball high thought. But with the, with the utilization of social media and players able to kind of promote themselves and their brand and, and their identity and everybody online posting like mashups, highlight videos, TikToks and all that, that right there already markets your player better than any all-star game could. So outside of the whole marketing standpoint... Like, what's the point of the All-Star game? Is is there a point anymore? Am, am I off base? Am I not making any sense?
1: No, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, there's... Uh, my favorite part, uh, from my fan perspective, what I've always loved about All-Star games in every sport is my connection with my team's player and them representing me. So... I can understand why the NHL would want to send one player from each team, but it's entirely watered down what it means to be an all-star. And some people like don't care. I don't think that that's a big thing, but I think for players like that would, that would bother me. And like, if it waters down what it means to be an all-star, then why would I want to watch? Like, it doesn't really mean anything like, and I, and like, I don't want to compare the all-star game in, in the, uh, In the NHL to other sports, we're like, the MLB All-Star game is boring as hell. But the players who get voted in deserve to be there because they do their voting right. And yeah, sometimes it sucks cuz like the Blue Jays a couple years ago had like 7 of their 9 starting inf- uh players all make the All-Star game because they flooded the ballot box. And yeah, that sucks, but like who the hell cares? Like those guys from Toronto you got the whole country of Canada tuning in cuz they're watching their favorite players play. If they only sent one guy, because only one guy from every team goes, you think would have as much of an impact. And that's an extreme example, but like when I watch the NBA All-Star game, I'm not watching for LeBron. I'm not watching for Curry or Giannis. I'm watching because I want to see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown go out there and represent my favorite team. And like when I'm watching the NHL All-Star game as like a Seattle Kraken fan and, you know, this one player from my team is going and he's probably going to get limited ice time anyways. Like, screw that. Like, if I didn't have – if I had a shit bum team, I would want to watch Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Drysaddle go absolutely ridiculous. I want to watch the best talent in hockey playing together in the same line because this is the only opportunity I'm going to get to do that. And the NHL's best product is the players and the game on the ice. And I feel like – and like all these players who are going, even though, you know, every, every team gets a player that goes – They're all still good players, but like you can't tell me that like having like, you know, like like Tavares and Mitch Marner and Nylander and Austin Matthews all playing on the same team as David Posternock and Charlie McAvoy and Jeremy Swayman with like, uh, who else is good from the Atlantic, Mackachuk and... Uh, Carter, like that would like oh my god like i would be jumping for joy as a hockey fan i'll be pulling for my guys like hell and that would be really cool to see if like if they did like a division thing watching like my favorite bruins players play with like the toronto i hate the toronto maple leafs but like for the nhl standpoint to have those two massive fan bases like rooting for the same team for the all-star like i don't know i just think that there's a lot more that they could do and i think it all starts with the way that they vote players in i think it's stupid
0: that would be like the meme of the two hands like clutched together. Like yeah, you know, Toronto and Bruins fans on Twitter all Star yeah. weekend. Like they're together just.
1: And like, that's like, I feel like that's such a, that's such a selling point because yeah. so many of these rivalries in hockey, they're, they're close to each other. Like the NBA, the biggest rival, the biggest rivalries are cross cut. Like the Celtics hate the Lakers. Celtics hate the Warriors. The Celtics hate the Bucks. They're all on the other side of the country, except for Milwaukee, who's right in the middle. The Boston Bruins hate the Canadians. You can hop in a car. We could we could be there by midnight. They hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's right next to Montreal. Like these, there's these close rivalries. So come All-Star Time, you draw these teams up, enemies become friends. And now we're on the same team. And I feel like it's it's that's a powerful thing in terms of marketing and online social media presence. There's nobody who's more active on social media than Bruins and Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Now you're going to put their favorite players on the same team. I don't know. It just, and and like, I understand from the NHL standpoint, they want to try and grow these smaller franchises. So having them have representation at the all-star game is why they do it. But that is total bullshit to the, to the big market teams who have multiple star players who deserve to go there. It doesn't mean anything to be an all-star anymore. And that's why I'm probably not going to be watching.
0: Yeah, I won't be watching. I mean, I'll see what happens on Twitter, but I definitely won't be watching. Um, But yeah, shout out Jack. Um, Weekly, you know, every week he comes in with a banger. They get better every single week. So shout out to everybody who sent in the voicemails. Shout out to Jack with his messages. Um, But jumping into the DM segment. um, Mel, I want you to read this first question. And... If you haven't pulled up, the first message is from our guy, PTP member over at Only Bruins, the one and only Primetime Brett, Brett Howard. Oh, God.
1: Hang on. I got to go back and find it. Um, was I? Hang on. Do you want me to send it to you? No, hang on. I'm on your Twitter page right now. I'm going tweet. Let me find it. Oh, okay. Long time, the long-time listener one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, long-time listener, first-time caller. How did Mike get a job at The Athletic? I'm looking to build a talent agency of players and figured he'd know how to get me in the right direction. Garland's adorable and likes seller. my starting points looking to add a first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you would only be able to pull off a trade like that if one of these three players, I would probably suggest Garland um, has a 30% salary cap retention. I think that's yes. the only way you can make a trade like this work.
0: Only way only way listen yeah I listen I I don't want to say that my trade wasn't that bad but compared to what the athletic put out there I looked like GM of the year listen I I, I always told you that um I'm never gonna
1: let your garland tweet die That's and fine. I will I will always bring For it sure. up on Twitter whenever you think that people forget I'm gonna bring it up I don't think people care anymore. I don't think I can now because everybody's gonna I'll, I'll hey, I'll be like, Hey, remember when silly tweeted this? And I'll be like, dude, we're talking about the athletic right now. Like nobody cares about Sally's terrible mock trade anymore. I think you've been vindicated finally.
0: A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> at least at least I can now say, Yeah, shit on me for this, but at least I'm not the athletic. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, there always, you go. I always have that. I always have that. <laughs> um but yeah, so shout out Brett. Go go give Only Bruins a listen. Um dropping every Friday morning. OB Fridays, baby. Um oh, yeah. follow him on Twitter at only Bruins, and then follow Brett on Twitter at Brett Howard underscore. But this next question comes in from our boy, part of PTP West, um host of the Indianapolis. I can never say Indianapolis. Indianap Indianap is that the right way to pronounce it, Indianapolis. 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 Okay, Indianapolis. whatever. Indianapolis.
1: Indianapolis. It feels like there should oh, be oh, a – You know, you know what it is? I think you you throw – There's something between the N and in Indian and the A inapolis. That's that's tripping you up. It's Indianapolis. It's it's yeah. not like Indianapolis. You roll the N into the A inapolis. Indianapolis.
0: The more – That's one of those words <laughs> that you say. The more you say it, the more it just sounds fake. Like Indianapolis you – know
1: you know what I can never say is uh Nutmeg Hoboken 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 <laughs> I don't know how to say it in New Jersey. That's where I think that's where Ethan, my friend Ethan 1.0 Emoreard WX I believe that's where he moved. Hoboken oh, I can't. Hoboken Hoboken Hoboken. 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 maybe it
0: was Jersey Hoboken. I can't forget <laughs> I can't forget about E2 question. So if I if if we get to the end of this and we still haven't done it remind me. It's but Ian Kennedy, um, his podcast Indianapolis Colts I N Bleeds Blue three one seven on Twitter Indie Bleeds Blue podcast. He asks, "Who are some dark horse bargain trade targets the Bruins could benefit from snagging at the deadline?" I feel like Mel. You and I have talked about this at nauseum, And I'm not saying that in a negative way, but I'm just saying because I think this is the best cheap option that we can get that you brought up first before literally anybody, anyone. And that player is...
1: Connor Garland.
0: No, kidding. (laughs) Anthony, (laughs) Anthony
1: Duclair, come on down. I don't... Listen, I've seen... I've seen... You and I had talked about it. I think uh what was it like harrison a fifth and forbert at the time like a month ago i thought that might get it done today i don't know so much um because Forbert stock has only gone lower somehow and uh dukelers is doing the
0: opposite it's like minecraft when you go all the way to the bottom and you hit the like
1: he found uh, obsidian and then he found a way to keep going lower yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah so uh I would love Duclair. I don't know. I'm not sure what he would cost. I mean, a lot of people think that he might cost a lot come trade deadline because he's a one-year rental. He has a low cap. I think he only has like a $3 million cap hit. He's on an expiring deal. But I don't know. I feel like San Jose might just be willing to get rid of him because he's not resigning in San Jose,
0: and I think that the Sharks know that too.
1: Although I I would not be surprised if other teams were also calling the Sharks about Duclair.
0: Yeah, it's just going to come down to the highest bidder is really what it's going to come down to. And nobody can offer more than Derek Forbert, so. Yeah, that's true. I mean,
1: former first-round pick, somehow. <laughs> he was on
0: the best team of all time. That's right, and he was. I uh, mean, like, listen, Derek Forbert's trade value. He's beating, really good. I mean, he's I mean, fucking great. Maybe the Bruins shouldn't trade him. I mean, that's, listen. he's a, he's a legit top-four guy. He's an offensive weapon. He's blocked shots like a madman. Derek Forbert, listen, if there's any of the 31 other GMs listening to this podcast right now, we would absolutely hate to lose Mr. Derek Forbert, number 28. I, number one, wouldn't be able to sleep at night.
1: I, oh, heard that the, I heard that the San Jose Sharks called the Bruins interested in Derek Forbert, and they, were, they wanted to trade Duclair for him. Could you imagine if the Bruins accepted Duclair for four? That's a, that is ridiculously lopsided. No way. Throw Well, maybe.
0: There is absolutely nobody in this defensive unit that could replace Derek Forbert on the left side. McAvoy is a different story. He's right side. McAvoy is a little bit better than Forbert. Uh, it's 50-50, but yeah, I, I would take McAvoy. But if you lose Forbert, fucking trade Patra, trade Lysel. You might as well shop Zaka. Blow the team up at that point. Blow it up. Blow it up. There's no point in playing hockey. David, if Derek Forbert is still on this or or is not on this team. If the Bruins trade Derek
1: Forbert, Sweeney might as well be standing in the middle of the garden with a big white flag just waving it around. Because they're just calling it kaputs on the season. If you lose Derek Forbert, this team is screwed. And he's only had a $3 million cap hit. Talk about value! You're only paying $3 million for everything that Derek Forbert gives you. That is an outstanding deal. The Bruins would be weary to keep him around past this season. And I think teams know that wherever he goes, he's going to want to resign. So, I don't know. I heard that the Penguins were kicking tires on him and throwing Crosby's name out there. Bruins don't need that. I'd rather have Forbert. The Sharks were talking about Duclair for Forbert. If I'm the Bruins, I don't know. I'm good with that. Maybe I call Edmonton, see if they're willing to move on from one of their two centers. I don't know. Might have to settle with Nuge. Either way, I'm not moving on from Forbert. You'd have to be ridiculous.
0: Listen, Mike, Mike, it's ridiculous how this fan base treats Derek Forbert. Derek Forbert is the best defenseman that this team has. Mike, I'm telling you, it's not. I haven't been on 98.5, the sports hub, Felgen Mass, for 17,000 fucking years because I don't know what I'm talking about. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. And Derek Forbert is the best defenseman in this defensive unit. If Don Sweeney trades him, I'm out. I'm out, Mike. I'm out. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. I can't keep it up
0: anymore. He sucks. <laughs> God, he sucks, dude. Please. Yeah, get, yeah. God damn it. Yeah, get uh, rid of Forbert. Get rid of Forbert, please. Oh. Um, but shout out Kennedy. Um, again, follow him on Twitter at kennedyi 57 If you didn't know, we just had our special guest, um, Michael Maserati, on the show. Um, from Felder and Maz. First time, last time. First time, last time. But the um, next question comes in from Oli King. Follow him on Twitter at Oli King. Possible outcome where Bruins trade Walker from the Flyers. Walker could be interesting if he ends up on the block in Philly, if Philly kind of falls um, and they're looking to shop some guys. Sean Walker could be an interesting, um, you know, trade piece for Boston. Could be cheap, help you on the defensive end, reliable. I wouldn't mind it. Cheap also. Any relation to Connor? Um, I think it's his son. Honestly,
1: oh, um, no, I honestly, I honestly don't know too much about the player. So whatever you say is good for me.
0: Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Um, shout out Ollie King again at Ollie King on Twitter. This next question comes in from the ninety percent. No to Charter Cities. Um, follow them on Twitter at Ninety Percenters. Should the Bruins get Lindholm at any price? quickly i'll answer and then jump to you really quick i say no if you're gonna get him go target him during free agency he's not worth the um i guess you could call trade war during the trade deadline he's gonna end up being way too expensive
1: yep i'm right there with you um what he brings to this i mean he's uh uh I mean, we talked about before, his numbers this year are almost identical to that of Pavel Zaka, and he's making twice as much. So I'm good on Elias Lindholm. We just talked about, to to start this episode, the point production you're getting from Zaka and Coyle is better than you were last year in a 65-win season, mind you, from Bergeron and Krejci. It's not your issue is getting is center depth. You don't need Elias Lindholm. Use whatever cap space you have, or whatever assets you have, to get a winger like DeClaire, or maybe to shore up your defensive core. But I am pretty much out on Lindholm.
0: Yeah, I am too. The longer, or the the closer we get to the deadline, the more rumors come out about his price. And honestly, like you said, offense is fine right now. We're second in the league in goal differential. It's not like you're lacking a number one center. To be completely frank, and honestly, I'm surprised to say that. If you had, (laughs) excuse me, I'm good for one. And episode. There it is. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, um, if you had told me that at the all-star break, I would be saying that the Bruins would not need, or I'm sorry, let me reword that. If at the beginning of the season, you told me at the all-star break that I would say that the number one target, the Bruins were looking for in the deadline was not a number one center. I would be shocked, but we're not, we're fine. You got Zaka, Coyle, Patra, Kiki can play center. Frederick can play center if you need him. It's fine. Mel's laughing at me for some reason. I don't really know why.
1: No, I'm, I'm laughing because I just while well, you were talking, I opened Twitter for a second and Boosie tweeted a video of this guy like st- like wearing a dress shirt and pants and
0: said, "This is Nick Melanson for some reason." Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I don't I don't think you you don't need Lindholm if you really truly do need him come. Free agency, I guess go sign him. But I just feel like he's a little bit overrated, to be completely frank.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah, focus on the guys you need to re-sign. Focus on Swayman, focus on JD, and then honestly focus on Frederick too because, geez louise, you got to sign him. Mm -hmm. But, so shout out to the 90% number to charter cities again on Twitter at 90percenters. Um, next question comes in from our boy Tommy, uh, at TJ Bennett 37, part of the Woval line. He said, "What position of need do you want to see the Bruins upgrade to the deadline?" He says, "I feel like center is actually good." Shout out, to Tommy! Kid's got a hell of a brain in that in that noggin of his. <laughs> uh, could use extra depth defenseman. Just getting smarter by the sentence. Maybe a depth winger. Oh my God, what? Tommy! Speaking our language, he said, I feel like the lines to end the break showed promise, want to build chemistry. Absolutely agree. Depth winger, maybe a top six winger. So, I mean, aka Mel's boy, Anthony Duclair. Duclair, yeah, Duclair. yeah
1: I'm with you. The, the, the secondary scoring in terms of a second line right winger has uh, been my area of interest for quite some time. So, I would like yes, to see the
0: Bruins address that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, shout out Tommy at TJ Bennett 37. Um, next question. Um, the second to last question comes in from Bill Brown. We also had a question from Joe Mitch at Joe Mitch 286, but he has since retracted it because he didn't realize the status of Claude Giroux's contract. And is no movement clause, so he retracted that. But shout out uh, to Joe Mitch. Shout out to Joe Mitch, anyways, for sending in the question. Um, there's always next week as well, but this one comes in from Bill Brown. Follow him on Twitter at Clayton Atwood59. He said, "Comment. This blows that there's no NHL for a week. Yeah, it does. I don't yeah, know. It fucking know. sucks. Yeah, I mean, I mean hey, Celtics, but still, Bill Brown and Lowell Maybe they can get together for like a, a little dinner party or something." Dare I say, at Buffalo Wild Wings? In Shrewsbury?
1: Whoa. I mean, they Whoa. have enough TVs in there. You can throw the Celtics on every single TV. It's true. <sighs> All
0: right. Well, shout out Bill Brown. Again, on Twitter, at Atwood 59 And the last question comes in from our girl, Laura. Um, follow her on Twitter, at kingofping18. She said, been waiting for this since I finished up the last episode. So happy to listen to my favorite podcast. Don't think I have any questions this time, but if you want to talk about Zaka and his 100th goal, please go right ahead.
1: (laughs) She's the biggest Zaka fan I think I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: Wait, before you go, Laura, I apologize for calling you Laura. Oh, yeah. I I screenshot that and said it to you, and I said, it's (laughs) Laura. Dude, you did. And I didn't even realize I was sitting in my living room, admittedly, extremely influenced by a lot of thc edible gummies <laughs> i can admit that and you sent it to me because i just said you know i just thank you you know and then i just hit send and i put my phone down and then my phone dinged and it was you and you said you said laura lauren and i was like oh my god so i deleted it thank god <laughs> i picked up my phone when you sent it because it was only like a minute later <laughs> and i felt terrible so laura um you know, thank you for supporting us. Um, thank you for sending in, you know, comments, um, helping share our episodes and just supporting us the whole way. Without people like you, um, you know, we, we we wouldn't be doing this. Um, we do it for... You know, all you guys. Without you guys, it's just me and Mel having a one-on-one conversation. Like you guys yeah, are what makes it sucks, fun. dude. Believe yeah. It me. Yeah, dude. A one-on-one conversation with Mel, Jesus. Oh my God, God, it's torture. We're oh just my talking God. to the bugs on the wall at that it's point. Like Nobody's talking even it. like talking to a brick. But no, I'm kidding. Hey, I'm, kidding. Hey. I'm joking. I'm joking. A brick um, would be a little better at math
1: than I would, at least.
0: I mean, me too, dude. But um yeah, so Zaka, 100 career goals. I mean, I feel like he's really coming into his own in Boston. Um, New Jersey, obviously, he kind of floundered there. He didn't really have a lot of talent to support him. Um, and he feels like he was just kind of stuck in the mud there. And a change of scenery to the world's best hockey city is exactly what he needed. 100 yeah. goals for Pavel Zaka, our one C, our fucking guy. Laura's oh, fucking yeah. guy. 100 That's goals. Right.
1: Listen, they weren't, when. whoa, I think my. Can you hear me? Did my mic just switch to my headphones? No, I. I you're fine. That was crazy. Um, no, I. And when Zaka was in New Jersey, dude. They it's a live even,
0: show, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> they weren't even using him right. They were using him on their third and fourth line. And I get it. If the guy's performing, you bump him down a line. But holy shit. I mean, at what point do you think the Devils? Like, I know like Devils fans will tell you that they won that trade. Hall has had good moments for New Jersey. Don't get me wrong. Come on, man. You did not win that trade. Be serious. Be serious. Zaka's 26. He's a first-line center in Boston. He came here, immediately had a career year, pretty much doubled his point output from the previous year. He's playing top-line center minutes now. He's basking in the glory of a team that was willing to take a chance on him. And, you know, he was sitting at 99 goals. We were talking about how he was in a goal drought for a while. I think he had, like, three three points or three goals over a 15-game stretch, something like that. Gets his 100th goal. I wonder if now the monkey's off his back and he'll finish the year with 150 career goals. You never know. This guy could get hot. But all jokes aside, he's been the model of consistency. This year, really, since the Bruins got him, you know what you're going to get from every night. When we were talking about DeBrusque saying uh, to start the season, he wasn't putting the puck in the back of the net, but he was still doing a lot of the little things. That is Pavel Zaka to a T, except he was also putting the puck in the back of the net. This guy has been playing a relatively strong 200-foot game. He does struggle defensively at some times. His uh, face-off percentage, I believe we talked about last episode, is almost 10% higher than it was a previous year. Yep. He's put puck in the back of the net. He's picking up assists. Um, David David Posnock, as well, I'm sure, will be the first person to give you congratulations to uh, being a mega fan of Pavel Zaka because I'm sure he's the second biggest Pavel Zaka fan in the world right behind you, Laura, because this guy lost his 1C. Pavel Zaka steps up and pasta having almost a better year than he did last year. I mean, you just said the guy's third in goals. I think he's third in points. He's got like 80 points through 49 games and that's playing with the new center in Pavel Zaka. So the guy is still feeding him. He's still chugging that offensive line, playing that first line center role overall that he's never had in his life and he's doing it perfectly. So I'm a Pavel Zaka stand. I say in terms of who are the biggest Pavel Zaka fans are, it goes Lara, pasta and then myself.
0: Fair enough. And don't forget, he's only 19 years old, too. So That's right. Him and Jason Tatum. Right. Yeah, they're both 19. <laughs> um, but anyways. Oh, no, Ethan 2.0. E2. Oh! Oh, E2.0. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry, Ethan. Um, our guy since day one, day one listener, day one DM sender. Um, just the best, most incredible person, the biggest Johnny Beecher fan out there, Bruins (laughs) Beach season. You can follow him on Twitter at incredible Mr. E seven. If you follow this podcast and you listen to this podcast and you do not follow Ethan 2.0 on Twitter at incredible Mr. E seven, you are wrong, sir or madam, but his two part question comes in today. And he says, heading into the all-star break. Who's shined the most to you? He said, gonna go to left field here and say Watherspoon. Dude started pretty meh um, and has recently turned into a quality player. Yes, there's still some fine tuning, but out of the out of all the new crop man, he's been on fire lately. And then he says for the second part, who has not met the expectations you've been hoping for? For himself, he said he might catch hell for this, but Patra, and then he said, Well, aware he's a rookie. My expectations were super high, but how he looked during that hot streak, man, I got pretty invested in the Kool Aid. Kid will bounce back, no doubt, with time, but I'd say he's been the lowest for me. Thoughts?
1: I think Wotherspoon is definitely out there. Yeah. But I like it, though. He makes a good case. He makes a good case because spoon has been playing some hot D, man. He's been playing well since he came up. I thought he was 22 or 23. It Turns out he's 27. Do not give me that face. <laughs> I and here's the thing too: the way that the Bruins have been playing so far, I feel like I want to say a, a safe pick, but I feel like there's honestly five or six safe picks you could say. I mean, you could say Trent Frederick. You could say. St-
0: Sorry. <laughs> It's just, it's just I'm gonna say I'm gonna. Yeah, I know
1: what I said. I'm gonna say yeah. JBR. <laughs> I'm gonna say JBR for every reason we've already said. Making a million dollars, came in here. I think he's fifth or maybe sixth in the team in points. Um, I think he's got eight goals and like thirty something points. You didn't know what you were gonna get from JBR, and you got you got everything you could have ever imagined from him in a year where they really needed some guys to step up. This per this guy in JVR who wasn't even part of this franchise last year comes in, kind of reinvents himself, and now he's looking like the old JVR. So, I'm saying JVR for the player who's uh, what, what did he say? Uh, least surprise me or disappoint uh, me? Yeah, yeah. Patra's is not a bad pick because I was also drinking a Kool Aid before the season started. Um, oh man, I shoot, I. I should have thought about this before I started answering the question.
0: Um, do you want me to? Do you want me to answer the? Do you want me to answer mine? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So my <laughs> my person who shined the most at this point of the season. I, I don't want to steal your pick. I won't say JVR, but JVR is an excellent pick for me. Honest to God, Brandon Carlo slash fuck. Now I have two in my mind. Ah. Uh, uh, Trent Frederick is a close second but Brandon Carlo has been one of your best defensemen all season long and I feel like he doesn't get the flowers that he deserves so for me it could go either way Frederick or Carlo but for this segment right now I'm going to pick Carlo he's been one of your steadiest defensemen back there most reliable guys um, he's had a hell of a season um, and without him this decor would not even be close to the same
1: Hmm. now listen For the player who's disappointed me the most, this one's really hard. It's really hard because I've been going through their lineup, all four lines, all sixty. It is is hard. And like Derek Forbert, that's the easy answer. So I'm not going to say Derek Forbert. Other than him, I really can't think of anybody. So I'm going to say this, and I know people are going to get me mad, and I know they're going to say what they want to say. But I have to pick somebody, and I'm not going to be a coward, and I'm not going to throw out Derek Forbert. So I'm just going to say this, Lena Solmark. And
0: don't be mad. Don't be mad. Why? Why?
1: Because I have to say somebody, and I feel like every single person on this team that I didn't have expectations for has shattered my any expectation I could possibly have for them. And every single player on this team, seemingly, has taken a step forward. From the top to the bottom, Coyle, Zaka. Uh, okay, I actually, I could have said Lauko for this instead of Olmark, honestly, but I'm too deep now. Coyle took a step up, Zaka, Frederick. passes hit another level of his game, playing without you know the best two-way center of all time. Um, defensemen are playing well. Say what you want about Lindholm. I think that this is Lindholm playing more of who he's always been. But I got to say somebody. So I'm just going to say Linus Omar because judging off of last year, I mean, 938 save percentage last year. He's at 913 this year. 189 goals against average last year. He's at 278 this year. Obviously, not Linus Omar numbers that he had last year. The save percentage isn't terrible. The goals against average, 278 isn't fantastic. I got to say somebody. I got to. So I'm going to say Linus Olmark, although I do want to say he's still one of the best goalies in the league. I'm still pumped he's my goaltender. Him and Swayman are still an unstoppable force, and I would still trust Linus Olmark with my life in net. But I got to be disappointed in somebody, and I don't want to cop out and say Lauco or or, uh, Forbert. So you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say Linus Olmark, and I'm just going to say because of – how much his numbers have dropped off from the numbers he had last year, which were already going to be impossible for him to replicate anyways. And I say that, Linus Olmark, I pick you with all the love in the world.
0: Okay. I was going to say loco, but I don't want to say that anymore. Um, say Olmark. Oh, no, no, you already took Olmark. And honestly, with your rationale, I can't even like, I'm not going to get mad at you for that. that. What, listen- you, you laid it out very fairly.
1: I do want to say, and I know I'm being 100% I'm being a hypocrite because when I was talking about Hampus Lindholm earlier, I said he had an unbelievable year last year and there was no way he was going to recreate it. And the exact same thing can be said about Linus Olmark. My only rationale is that pretty much everybody on this team is either playing to a, a level that is better than they were last year or they're just annihilating any expectation I could have had of them. And And I don't want to just say Forbert. And I got to say somebody. So I'm just going to say Olmark. That was my rationale.
0: Fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with Oscar Steen. And I don't know if that's a cop out, but outside of that, I don't want to say Lauko because you mentioned him. I'm not going to say Omar because that was your pick. I'm not going to take Forbert because that is the easiest cop out answer of all time. I'm not going to say Ian Mitchell because he's only played 13 games. Um, I'm not going to say Patrick Brown because he's only played 11 games. I'm saying Oscar Steen. He's played 30 games in the NHL. That's a good sample size through 49 games. He has one point and it's a goal. He's averaging 902 minutes um, on ice. Uh, he's a minus two. I am going to say Oscar Steen And um, even though his expectations weren't too high, still 30 games, one point, and it's a goal. You haven't even gotten a secondary assist. <sighs> <sighs> Jesper fist might have to be uh, taking his spot soon, pal. Sorry. Mm, hot take. Hot take. But hey, um, anyways, we've got a very, very large games three and game four in the PTP EASHL versus series. Um, if PTPE... We're going for the sweep. Yeah, if PTP East wins both games tonight, then they take the title and us PTP West boys have to go take a uh, back stage.
1: All I'm gonna say is that you should secretly be pushing for a sweep as well because uh we have a men's league game next Tuesday at oh, like boy. nine. So
0: Oh geez. No So sleep, if you wanna care. score
1: a few, uh you wanna score a few in your own net, I wouldn't be bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Um <laughs> anyway, no chance. But <laughs> episode seventy-seven of the Something's Bruin podcast at the All-Star break. Your Boston Bruins are 31-9-9, first place in the Atlantic Division, ahead of the Florida Panthers by seven points. Same amount of games played, 31-9-9. I believe they're the only team, yes, they're the only team in the league without 10 regulation losses or more. Um, wow. 71 points for Boston second in the league in gold differential, doing it with bargain contracts, veteran guys, David Posternock, Charlie McAvoy in a double headed monster in net. Your Boston Bruins are bound to make a hell of a run to April. And then it's a clean slate, baby. Anything can happen in April. We saw it last year. Don't take anything for granted. Kick some ass this season kick some ass post all-star break. Everybody enjoy the basically week off from the NHL. If you're going to watch the all-star game, enjoy it. If you're going to watch the skills competition, enjoy it. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, episode 77 of the Something's Brewing Podcast, as always brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can follow the Something's Brewing Podcast Twitter account, on Twitter at Bruins something no at the end you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan and you can follow Nick Molanson on Twitter at Nick Mulanson underscore until then ladies and gentlemen the Boston Bruins are 31-99 first in the Atlantic tied for first in the league and that is going to end this episode heading into the all-star break hot we'll catch you next week bye
3: so like these raps long as you feel them to the day that i drop you'll never say that i'm not killing them because when i am not then i'm gonna stop pinning them and i am not hip-hop and i'm just not eminem subliminal thoughts when i'm gonna stop spinning them women according web spin spinning and harp in them adrenaline shot the penicillin could not get the hell in the stock amoxicillin's just not real enough. the criminal cop killing hip-hop filling a minimal swap to cop millions of pop listeners
0: I would, if I got a billion dollars, I actually would be comfortable putting five hundred million on, like, you know, Bruins money line or something. <laughs> <like that. laughs> you, you were so sincere when you said that.